0: I miscalculated on my, on my salad. I, mis- mm-hmm. I miscalculated. Yeah.
1: Do you, have you ever had a thing where you wake up in the morning and the first thing you do is sit on the edge of the bed and uh, cough for a while and <laughs> hack up things? Uh, no. Have that's you? Good. I have not. <laughs> but I hear, I hear that's a thing for a long-time smokers. You are
0: fixated, my friend
1: you're the one who comes on <laughs> the show with you doing your best impression of a chronic smoker no I'm not that's be- broaches the top
0: uh, no that's just because of my uh, my dressing i miscalculated how
1: how are you using this dressing
0: hmm. you may not be following the instructions
1: in the bottle. <laughs> i put it you're, in my vape pen <laughs> you're trying to do the string trick speaking of vaping like so you do all the your vape jokes and everything and obviously it's in your face all the time in san francisco so oh. you're sick of it right but i haven't really seen it in real life anywhere except san francisco really there twice this year until recently two times in the past couple weeks i'm coming home from work and the car in front of me has a totally different car so i suppose it could be the same person who's just driving driving two totally different cars but arm out the window big meaty arm out the window and Every once in a while, a new pope is selected, and a huge plume of white smoke billows forth from the first time it happened. I'm like, what? Is that guy's car on fire? I'm like, oh no, he's just vaping. Sick vape, bro. Right. And then, you know, you go down the road a little ways, and then a couple seconds later, boom, huge plume of white smoke, right? Could have been the same person. And I have to say that when I drive by uh, on my various routes home, I go by a place called Vape Daddies or something like that. So I know this is going on, but this is the first time I've seen it. And uh, I don't know, like the big plume of smoke is a little bit upsetting, but it still bothers me less than seeing people flick their used
0: cigarettes onto the ground. Oh, yeah, that, that's <clears> that's that is really gross. The um, yeah, you know, that's a performance characteristic of a, of a sick vapor is that a ability to generate a large amount of vape smoke. Mm-hmm. That's like a that's like a thing, you know. See? Seems like a hazard, like if you're driving a car, because it's kind of opaque. I mean, it dissipates quickly, but it's a lot of very opaque smoke. Oh yeah, I totally, I totally agree. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely, it's definitely caught on here. You'll see it peeking out of somebody's pocket. You'll see guys on a break from the sandwich place outside, and I mean, I, I've seen it, you know, many, many dozens of times. People vaping, and I still laugh. I beside myself. I laugh out loud every time I see. This enormous, enormous amount of, of uh, it's not smoke, it's vape. Come out. Um, also, I think you
1: can marijuana vape. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't pretend to understand the, uh, the technologies or the techniques involved. I'm just saying, like the, the, uh, the outward manifestation. Now, I have to say, it smelled less. Than
0: oh no, it smells being,
1: being behind a smoker.
0: Oh no, you could you could vape in the house and nobody would notice. It really, it doesn't produce, I mean, I guess there's the smell if you're doing some kind of tikka masala or something, like you'll smell that, but there's not a, there's not that distinctive smoking smell, which it's funny that I noticed that now where, you know, when somebody... Now that your sense of smell is back. Wow, wow, wow. just fixated. <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm not the one who's fixated. <laughs> you're fixated. No, like I'm, I'm, the type, I'm very sensitive to it. And like when I am driving behind someone who's smoking out their window i go to recirc immediately <laughs> this stinks up the car I, and I, I i want to try to predict it by telling you know that i can see the person who's smoking with their little window cracked halfway with the you know the little flicking little thing out the corner because they won't want to be cold but they also don't want to anyway uh i try to put it in recirculate mode before i before we stop at the stoplight behind them but sometimes i don't notice until someone has already gotten in the car and then you know you're really just Closing the barn door after the horse after the horse has already left. and you're just trapping the,
0: yeah. the smoky smell in your car. Ah, it's complicated. Yeah, you know it's nice as uh, stepping into an Uber with your kid. Just, just it smells like a bong. Like obviously they've just been smoking tons. That's, of weed what, in your that's car.
1: what all of San Francisco smells like though. So it's just have you noticed in.
0: it? It's not just me. You notice it?
1: <laughs> no, it's not that bad.
0: Yeah, uh,
1: but yeah, yeah. In the Uber, like, so what would you rather have? Getting into an Uber that smells like weed or one that smells like an ashtray?
0: They they both uh, bug me, well obviously for different reasons. You know, whenever you're around somebody who thinks they're pulling it off and they're not, that person's hazardous. You know, they're like they're like you know, there's a reason they don't hire hire people like that to be spies, like you know. But in the case of the marijuana person, yeah, that's that's off putting because I'm I'm glad you got your marijuana. I know you love your marijuana. It's important for you for for your four twenties and whatnot. But uh, man, you should not be driving a car. You should not be driving a car with people in it, man. That's crazy. It, so, yeah, no, but it's, but, it, you know, we went downtown to see a movie yesterday, and so we're on the subway. And, man, you can just tell somebody's, well, as I think I've mentioned to you, people do just spark a, spark a doobie right on the train, which is a thing. You never would light a cigarette on the train. Oh, people would be all over you.
1: You don't have, like, uh, transit cops or anybody wandering the cars?
0: They're mostly just checking. They're doing, like, fare checking stuff, but this, the, it's, the infrastructure here is uh, really burdened. It's 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 pretty rough. Coming home from downtown yesterday cuz they just run, you know, usually if it's busy like a, you know, rush hour, they'll run two-car trains, which look like four-car trains, but actually, you know, two-car trains. But like it's all all out to the western neighborhoods, it's all one-car trains and it's just like ass ass cheek to ass to elbow, like all the way to the Sunset. But uh yeah, and then somebody comes in who's been smoking a lot of marijuana and uh yeah. Well, if they're not smoking it on the train,
1: that's just like another normal smelly person thing. I don't think I've ever seen anyone actually light a cigarette on the tea in Boston. I think that would, in general, I think it's the crowd accepts
0: that this is not a thing that you do. It's a phenomenon. hmm, It's related to a phenomenon that I've come to call uh, the toughest kid at the mall. You know, where like uh, you, you see the kids at the mall. And you can tell that in their head, they feel like they're probably the toughest kid at the mall. Well, you know, the mall is a place where it's not surpassingly hard to be the toughest kid, given other circumstances. You're not, you know, you're not in the shoe or something. Uh, and, you know, sometimes people are uh, kind of social bullies on the train, just because it's, it's a very laissez-faire kind of thing. You don't look at people, you, don't, you know what I mean? It's a very hands-off thing. And people just go on and just, like, kind of mess with people on the train. And of course, there are people who have really severe mental problems that, um, I mean, last weekend or the weekend before this, the first time we saw Kubo, you know, we got off early because there was a guy just threatening people on the train. Just like, I I know, I know those headphones aren't in. Where'd you get your shoes? Just tell me where you get your shoes. I could tear you apart right now. We're like, okay, that's it. Let's get off the Castro. (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's quite an adventure here right now. It's a very, very exciting time to live in San Francisco. There's a lot going on. Boston's got its own thing, though. Boston's got its own um, kind of confrontational
1: culture, right? I don't know. Like, well, so definitely the, the the homeless situation is not as bad. And I think I don't like I said. I don't think I've ever seen anyone on the T posturing. Obviously, i, didn't, I didn't, you know I only commuted into the city for a, a few years, and it was mostly just going from the you know the ritzy suburbs to downtown. So maybe I'm not on the right lines to see this stuff. But in general, and there's so many college students. Like during school time, it doesn't even matter what the residents of Boston do. There's just so many college students. So the odds of you being wedged in next to a bunch of 20 something white kids is very high.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I still really treasure, uh, the public transit system, even though it, it is a, it is a mess and it's crumbling and you're just kind of always waiting to find out some kind of catastrophe that happened with it. But I, I'm super grateful for it. I just, I don't know. I don't want to get into it right now, but and, you know, we talked about cars before I just ugh, too many cars. And I, I wish there was some way to like, I don't know refunnel some resources into making this thing just a little bit better because it helps so many people so like when i was in florida basically it was people with duis and maids that's who rode the bus full stop because it was like every hour maybe it would take you hours to get anywhere and i, I mean that with all of the like insensitivity that that implies because that was the perception that what like normal white people do not ride the bus unless something has gone horribly awry in their life and i really i treasure the fact that like you know a lot of our people on our board of supervisors like ride the train they ride a bike they get around in a way that's not a single person in a single automobile which for some reason has really just been getting under my skin lately bugs me i think cars are fine i know
1: like i I think public infrastructure public transportation infrastructure is terrible in a terrible state but like it's not like Horace's fault that that it's that it is it's impossible to build any new infrastructure. It's impossible to tax anybody to even maintain the infrastructure that we have. That it's impossible to find right of ways. Like just even say you wanted to build a great new
0: train system, it's it literally impossible to get those right of ways. I know, I know, and nobody I, can ever be moved. I, I, I want to be clear that I'm not chiding you, and especially you, because you in particular are somebody who your appreciation of automobiles is not dissimilar from John Roderick's appreciation of aircraft. Where, like, you can still really enjoy it, even if you're not driving that uh, fancy Italian car you're always talking about. Like, you might be driving your modest accord, but still, like, follow that stuff and be interested in it. I- I'm not saying ban cars. I'm not saying anything like that. No, no, not, not even that.
1: I'm just saying, like, from the perspective of, you know, it's not like all autonomous car utopia BS thing or whatever. I'd but love to get into that like, someday, actually. But uh, the, the freedom provided to, by, by being able to go where you want, when you are, immediately... Like that's that's the attraction to the car, and if you have a an infrastructure or a, a place for those cars to go that is not car friendly, there's not enough parking, there's not enough roads, there's too many people trying to get from point A to point B, and there's not enough you know roads for them to go, and then it's just it's not a good situation but again it's not the car assault it's kind of like the same thing when you're all wedged onto that train it's not the train's fault you're all wedged onto the train there's not enough trains there's more there's more people than than you know people want to go more places it kind of reminds me of the quote-unquote public transportation system in atlanta georgia there's just a big giant cross that's smart like, right? a train train goes north south yeah and a train goes east west like
0: do you realize the city is like the size of rhode island <laughs> oh my god but where do you begin i mean in that case that's that's a can of worms because atlanta itself my god You know what it is? It's halo effect from my first trips to San Francisco going on Muni. And in particular, I have to always stipulate, I'm talking here about the streetcars, which some people call trolleys, kind of erroneously. But a streetcar are five lines. They call call them shopping carts. I can hear them in the background. (laughs) One just went by. You probably didn't hear it. Um... But okay the, the buses mm, the buses are 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 kind of gross and the buses are kind of inefficient and the buses plow through these areas where a bus was never meant to go and it works in its way kind of but the streetcar like is closer the halo effect i have is from riding the streetcar in my initial days here and in, when i first you know moved here in 1999 and really in some ways i hate to sound like a like a sap but even like up until today there's just so much i love about it because and, and here's why i say that I want to say halo effect, it's that it's almost like, you know, you know how you, you get friends who are insufferable after, after they go to another country and they come back and they go, oh, in Dutch, everybody rides bike or like, oh, you know, in Italy, everyone's relaxed or whatever. And you come back and they're like browbeating everybody, you know, and that's kind of how I am with public transit only because I see like how close it is to almost really, really, really working. And like, you know, and that's, that's why, you know, you get into the chicken and the egg problem of like, well, so what, we don't live in suburbs anymore? Like, what are we going to do? And like, no, I'm not I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is like, when we're thinking about how we proceed in the future, um, I'll be that guy for a second and say, like, I would like to see a future where the primacy of a single guy in a car does not become the determinant of like how everything is structured. Because it's like, Anyway, that's that's like one of my dumb utopian things because it really it can work. It's so close to working, and the big fu from Muni, I mean, this is, this is not rational. I'll, I'll you know seed that, but you know it's the problem with Muni is like it works fine until the day you really need it, and that's when you're like three hours late for something. But I've seen how close it is to almost working, and that feels like an a potentially ascendant way. To get around or maybe throwback way to get around that for so many places would work so much better if there was not such a foothold, understandably so, for people who have a reason to like want to have one person
1: in a car. I don't think people want that, especially in a city like San Francisco. I can't believe San Francisco is your version of, like, a, a city with working public transportation. Yeah, it's better than the swamps of Florida, where it's just miles and miles of straight-line road on a big pancake. Yes, obviously, anything's better than that for public transportation. But San Francisco strikes me as a—like, there's a reason Uber caught on so much in San Francisco. is because yes. the public transportation system is not—
0: well, that's reason number two. Reason number one is the taxis are completely capricious and just don't go places. Yeah. That's not number of, one. They, they had a bad taxi culture. But,
1: it, but like, again, if it was in Boston, I feel like it does not have good tra- public transportation, but it's way better than San Francisco in terms of where can you get. Like, you can live in Boston for years and years and years, all sorts of different parts of Boston, outside of Boston, inside of whatever, and get pretty much everywhere on the T. Like, just a tea and a little bit of walking. There are so many lines. And I, I've, I would imagine from what I've heard of lots of other big, fancy international cities, or even just New York City, just have way more ways to get places using public transportation. Not taxis, just trains. Yeah. Trains and buses. So much easier to get anywhere. And San Francisco is fairly challenging to get to a whole bunch of places without resorting to an well, Uber or a really obscure, weird bus.
0: Well, and I, and I, use, I use all of those um, because you have to. But what I will say is that as somebody who is kind of subway-centric, you know, for me... And, and, you know, like I say, most of these lines go west, and they – so there's lines that go west and mainly go down kind of the center, if you imagine, like, the top third-ish of the city, and then go out. Like, they end Judah and stuff like that at the G.A. Church, goes to through, um, like, you know, uh, the Castro. But, like, the three lines, the three main – is it three or four now that go west? You know, what that means, though, is somebody who lives on 46th Ave, like, somebody who lives near the freaking zoo – like in the most like southwest part of San Francisco, can get on a train and in about, in maybe 22 minutes, is in the middle of downtown. Now, is that everywhere? It is absolutely not everywhere. But that does mean that, you know, you can, you can still get to somewhere from there. I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm just saying, like, you go, oh, you know what? This, this could work. This could really work. I don't have a point here. And I'm not trying to defend Muni. It's, it's a mess and it's tough and they do what they can with what they've got. But, you know, to, to be some, let me put it this way. I wish I had gotten to live someplace. How can I put this? I'm envious. I'll put it this way. I'm envious of people who could be, let's say, 14 years old in a place with semi-reliable public transit. I mean, that would have changed. I feel like that would have really changed my world if I did not have to be in a car to, to just literally go to the supermarket. It would have been really different if you were a kid like in the East Bay. If you lived in freaking Walnut Creek, you could get on BART and like without without transferring, you could be in downtown San Francisco in like thirty minutes that's that's mind blowing to me and I, I I wish more people had that opportunity didn't have to rely on cars didn't have to drive drunk didn't have to like spend you know fifty dollars on a cab you pay you know and with muni you pay two twenty five and you drive anywhere go anywhere in town for ninety minutes it's
1: should have gone to school in boston i went to college in boston for four years never had a car never needed one went all over the place just yeah. you know my parents dropped me off in their car and they came and picked me up and just never felt constrained you could go i mean a lot of it is when you're a college student you can do a surprising amount of walking yeah. and also the uh the t uh stops or it did when i was uh uh in college at twelve thirty, which is because there are a bunch of puritan yankees or something and so very often you do find yourself walking home when you could have taken the train home and it's cold and it's night. but anyway aside from it stopping like new york city is probably way better because they you know don't stop at those uh ridiculous hours uh and it's great to have like you said the freedom because you don't have a car like i didn't own a car at that point i didn't have to buy one to go places but i felt unconstrained by the fact that i didn't have a car but like i i i think, feel like the problem is aside from the problem of not being able to repair the infrastructure that we have because no one wants to pay any taxes uh the problem as i see it is how can we fix the mistakes of the past the mistakes being like let's just build more and more roads and it will be great you know like like, because everything in most of the major metro areas is so built up and it is just impossible to add any new infrastructure because you'd have to subtract something yeah you can't subtract where people live you can't subtract from the roads uh, and you you can't even like it's even if you have the right of ways for the existing trains even just getting the money to say we're going to add another line somewhere like even in Boston they tried for many years to add new lines to the T system it's just very difficult and I worry that like like those cities are done now like think of like cities in Europe that I've never been to but you know all the pictures and everything everything is so much older there like the, everything was laid out in that city uh, before America existed as an idea even um and so well that's the shape of the city and that's the way it goes and in some ways it's good because there's like no room for cars all the tiny roads are cobblestone or whatever in some ways it's bad and that people try to wedge their regular cars onto these tiny cobblestone roads and nothing makes sense um but it's like we had we had our chance to plan out our major cities and we
0: kind of messed it up and that's it now it's all built up so we were stuck with it yeah and we need it for all kinds of things involving like to it's not just a matter of like people you know living in buckhead needing to get to downtown atlanta it's also like you know how your lawn chair is going to get to walmart nobody needs to get to downtown atlanta from bucket believe me
1: <laughs> unless they have to go to the dmv i guess
0: i'm just pff, word salad um you know um do you ever spend much time on the pattern stuff pattern pattern languages pattern libraries i only know that that's the book where the programming language pattern idea came from but i have never read it hmm be interesting to talk about sometime um i i have a copy of it and it, it's it's a it's a book one doesn't read so much as sort of like inhabit and browse but it, it's a it's a very interesting idea to like think in abstraction about how spaces work i think you might enjoy it you should get someone to buy it for you it's pretty good i might even have it already in the house who knows i got a lot of books yeah yeah me too i, I bought a copy of the uh, uh the guy with the beard i bought uh, i bought the uh what is it uh patterns of the wind uh, name uh name the wind No, what's it called? Keep going, keep going. You'll get it. I Uh, believe in you. Name of the Wind. You put a the in front of it and you're there. The Name of the Wind. Mm -hmm. I can see why people like that book. It's got some fun
1: stuff in there. You already listened to The (laughs) Incomerals about it, didn't you?
0: No. I'm just waiting for you to ask me how far in I am. Oh, you haven't even opened it. I'm on number 27 in iBooks, so I'm on 27 of like 1800. Oh, well, whatever. Anyway, I think it's it's a page turner. You'll you'll burn through it fast if you actually get into it. I will. I will. And I was very uh, I was buoyed to see that when I went to see if I can get it from the library because you know I'm a library guy. Um, uh, there's uh, there, uh, there's a big waiting list for it. That's nice to hear. You know he likes to he likes to go to uh, the airport bookstores and sign copies. Did you know <laughs> oh, God, I had a friend that used to
1: do that. I see every time I see him tweet that I I can't help but think about the logistics of this of how, how does this move work exactly. So, you are the author of a fairly famous, well-known book. You are in an airport. You go into the bookstore. Do you just pull the books off the shelf and take your Sharpie and start signing them? Like, do you get tackled by security? Do you have to go to the person at the bookstore and say, you might not know me, but if you look here, see how I look a lot like this guy in the jacket of this book? Well, that's actually me. I know you can't tell through the beard. Yeah, I had it trimmed a little bit differently there, but... What I would like to do is take this permanent marker and write my name in a bunch of these books. I'm not going to buy them, mind you. I'm right. just going to write my name in them.
0: Somebody's going to get a treat.
1: And I think this will be this will be more attractive. You can put them on display or whatever. And they just like how how if you are the, you know, slightly higher than minimum wage clerk behind behind the the uh, you know, cash register at an airport bookstore, how do you ascertain whether this person Is it actually the author of that book or just another person who happens to have a beard? Or what if there is no picture on the book jacket? Like, do I have to see some ID? How much
0: time have you spent in these stores? Uh, In
1: the airport bookstores? I don't know. I I used to buy, back before the the internet days, I would buy a magazine or two. Like, uh, for the the sitting in the waiting area, like waiting to board your plane because I always get there really early. So I would buy a magazine or two. Usually I would buy the car magazines that I don't subscribe to, like the trashy car magazines like Motor Trend uh, and just look at the pictures. That's how much time I spent. Like, get the magazines and get out.
0: My impression of the people, well, to start with, my impression of the people who work in their stores is that they're not super-duper engaged with what people in the store are doing. They're also, usually there's at least a line of, like, one to three people. They're pretty busy paying attention to that. I don't think there's usually, like, a security guard stationed there. Um, That's pre nine eleven thinking. Oh, well, you know what? Well, too soon. Um uh yeah 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 my my friend used to do it and it would make me really embarrassed yeah well was he signing books that
1: he was actually the author of or just signing random books because <laughs> you can do that too you can just go there with a permanent uh, you bring out your sharpie and just take some <laughs> books off the shelf and write your name oh well, sigmund freud maybe write a dedication like maybe the person who buys this you know to, to delilah Sue, congratulations <laughs> on your purchase
0: <laughs> best wishes fly safely This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by HelpSpot. You can learn more about HelpSpot right now by visiting helpspot.com diffs, that's D-I-F-F-S. If you deal with any kind of customer support, buddy, you need HelpSpot, because HelpSpot is the most comprehensive and flexible help desk around. With HelpSpot, you can let your customers reach out to you however they choose. Make it easy, right? Email, web, phone, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter, it's all in there, HelpSpot. HelpSpot will be the central place for all of your customer support needs. You can turn disjointed email exchanges into meaningful conversations with your customers, get a quick view of any trends relating to your support requests. How about real-time reporting to see exactly what's happening with your support? You can do that. It's called HelpSpot. Look it up. It's all you need. They even help you create a self-service portal to give your customers all the knowledge base articles that they need. Now, as you might expect, HelpSpot is a service, and they can host that for you. So uh, you can also run HelpSpot, HelpSpot on your own service. You can do that. Six-one, half-dozen of the other, it's all in there, HelpSpot. You get source code access for custom branding, direct SQL access to write custom reports, and extensive APIs and Zapier integration for connecting to your other business systems. This is where the powerful and beautiful automation can begin. HelpSpot. HelpSpot. It's the best value in customer service. They are committed to giving you unrivaled value for your hard-earned money. And put simply, this means uncomplicated pricing includes everything you need for your help desk. You get unlimited tickets, unlimited mailboxes, unlimited custom fields, unlimited reports, and knowledge bases, all for one simple price, no hidden extras or complicated tiers. HelpSpot is not a flash-in-the-pan company. I would tell you if they were, they've been doing this for over 12 years. They'd be in like, like sixth grade at this point. They're going to be there when you need them. It's free for up to three users and super inexpensive for larger teams. And better still, you'll get an additional... 10% off for life, which is a very long time, according to Wikipedia, when you use the code diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S at Sign Up. So please go to helpspot.com/slash diffs to start a trial today. Sign up for a free one-on-one demo to learn more about HelpSpot can serve your support team. Ah, oh, thank you so much to HelpSpot for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Mm-hmm.
1: I can't believe that. If that hasn't come up already on the podcast that he does yeah. with, with Who's His Face, yeah, I, I don't understand how they, Because he tweets about it all the time, and I didn't even know this was a thing. Well, I'll pass it along. <laughs> or may, he might be joking, like, no, hey, he I just signed it. a bunch of books, but yeah. I don't know. I, I don't think so, actually, because I have a copy of Insanely Great by Stephen Levy, who, uh, and my copy is signed, but he didn't, I'd never met him. I just pulled it off the shelf, and they have, like, signed copies, and that's what I got. Wow. Hardcover. Hardcover. Insanely great. Nice. Signed copy. And I'm happy that it's signed, because uh, I read his stuff a lot uh, growing up. He's I'm good. Not,
0: He's still good. People.
1: Yeah, it was a good book. Insanely great. Good book.
0: Um, I want to do um a little bit of follow-up. I, I want to do some... Um, how shall I put this? Um uh I scolded everyone last week. I didn't mean to, but I scolded everybody about the the whole membership thing uh because we want people to hear the special episode of our program we did with John Roddock. I would just like to say this week, you should obviously feel free to say whatever you want. I just want to say this week, we saw the numbers on this thing. We saw how many people chose to support relay last month. And I wanna say, holy crap, thank you guys people you team you magnificent bastards thank you all so much uh for doing that because the response i can't do math real good but uh i was i was very it wasn't again i should clarify in this case it's not even strictly a money thing it is like oh my god thank you so much for supporting relay.fm i just want to say to everybody who did that i don't care why you did it uh i hope it's because of the goodness of your heart maybe it's because you just want to hear that episode but for whatever reason i just want to say thank you to everyone thank you for listening but also thank you for uh Spending some of your hard-earned money on uh, Relay.fm, I really appreciate it. Yeah, and I hope by next year when this rolls around, I
1: hope uh, I don't know what the deal is with the, if these these secret member-only things will ever be publicly available. But I think it's uh, it's life of the author plus eighty. Yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, I would like it if by <laughs> the time next year rolls around, then you could hear the previous year's special episode. Because, like again, what, what I want mostly is for everyone to hear this episode who I think might enjoy it because I thought it was a good episode. And it pains me to think that only a fraction of our listeners would get to hear it. But to the people who did pay, uh, they did get to listen to it, and I hope they liked it.
0: I do too. Yeah. Well, it stares me in the face on the back of a truck uh, every day, one place I go to. Um, so I know it's out there, but um, I just want to – the point is not, like I said. I mean, there's always ways to find things, but a lot of people did pony up. And, uh, yeah, that's all I want to say about that. Thank you to everybody. It was little, wasn't that kind of – you know? not want to say surprising, but wasn't that surprising?
1: I don't remember the actual numbers, so I don't know. Uh, but I assume it's uh, only a fraction of the actual listeners. Like, it's not like it was 90%, right?
0: <laughs> you say we should
1: qualify our thanks? No, thank all the people who got it. That's awesome. Like, yeah, I, I mean, uh, but percentage-wise, like, I think the percentage was expected, as expected, right?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. But it's, I saw I added to the list money on the internet, talk about someday um i think it's yeah. it's an interesting topic i added so much i added, added topics to the list i know
1: i should re- I shuffled them around go look
0: oh <gasps> no way you didn't <gasps> you talk about that
1: i always shuffle things around
0: <gasps> oh my gosh you you put an interesting one on top okay yeah. all right so
1: anyway so these so you wrote a bunch of things in the the topic list and i like it when you write things because i find them intriguing because i don't know what you're thinking about when i write things i know exactly what i'm thinking
0: and then you get intrigued with them so i think that's how it works but mm. anyway Aloha. I
1: shuffled some up.
0: Okay. Uh, so anyway, thanks. And uh, there's still always a chance if you want to get in, uh, you can still go to relay.fm.membership and let us never speak of it again. Yeah. When does that end, by the way? Well, there was their birthday anniversary month, you know, was the month of August. And uh, But you can join up at any time, you know? Oh, it was the month of August. So now it's like if you signed up now, you wouldn't get the special
1: episode. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I think you get the member feed no matter what. So, Yeah it's still there. And hey, so what was your favorite of the ones? I didn't listen to all of them, but did you have any favorites of the ones you listened to? I'm not through them all so I don't want to say. My my yeah. immediate
1: you know, family favorite was the text Adventure one, but that may have been because I listened to it early and it's like I'm thinking that's you know, the one stands out the most in my mind. But yeah. I I liked all the ones I've listened to so far, but
0: I'm I'm not through them all yet. Well, that one was special. I I really enjoyed that one a lot. Um I don't know why I feel the need to share this, except that it might actually benefit Slate Plus, who still makes it incredibly hard (laughs) to give them your money. Last week, I talked about my frustration because I felt guilty that I had happened upon, totally accidentally happened upon the Slate Plus paid person's feed, the Slot Plus feed. And I was sitting there like, like some kind of a monster enjoying these shows without having been a patron. This is just a little bit of quick meta follow-up. And so I had gone to the Slate site, I'd signed up for an account, and I could not for the life of me figure out how to make it take my money on two different browsers with all the shields down. Uh, I just want to say it finally occurred to me to try it on my iPhone. And I I went in on my iPhone and I was able to become a member of Slate+. Plus. I say this not so much to excuse myself or to go like, see, I told you, but more to go like, you know, uh, Slate Plus guys, ooh. Uh, make it easier on people but also if you are a person who like me and i heard a couple people respond saying they found it difficult to uh try it on a mobile device and see if that helps it's a good it's a good group and the, the shows there's many all many all, all all the great shows of slate plus people
1: on mobile devices the only people that count anymore so they don't care they don't want your filthy desktop
0: money <laughs> yeah it's it's weird uh i've i've found myself spending more and more time on my ipad And I'm really starting to feel – my iPhone success is starting to feel really cramped and weird. And the experience on that device is pretty bushly on certain sites. Like Google News, it's it's really bad. Nuzzle, if you're not using the app, man, that is no fun. Um, So, yeah, it's – I wonder if they're more and more planning more for large devices. I don't know. I – I don't know. It isn't like a Squarespace page where you can just change the size of the portal and see what it would look like. I mean, things get heavily moved around. Like, if you go to something like Cotton Bureau, like, the whole the fundamentals of the page change when you're you
1: there. You know about the whole, like, request desktop site thing, right?
0: Yeah. Because I find myself doing that a lot. I, I never asked for that on Daring Fireball, and yet it, it still it is, yeah. like, extremely tiny text on my iPad. <laughs> no, like, I, I frequently do that, even on my iPad sometimes you
1: know you can request desktop site all you want sometimes you're on the dot site and every time you try to go to the non m dot, it redirects you like the old style mobile experience anyway yeah some sites like google have a, an actual link at the bottom for a desktop site and i find myself using the desktop like a google calendar for example has a mobile yes. savvy thing that works on the phone and the ipad but very frequently especially especially when i'm on my ipad i say just give me the real.
0: Oh, it looks ba- it is bad, especially when you go to a Google Calendar event from somewhere else, and it gives you that incredibly hobbled. It's almost looks like WAP or something. It's like so right. So like, bad. I, don't, I don't know what you're trying. I just just show me my calendar. Like I it's, know. Uh, anyway. Well, you know the one that drives me a little crazy is uh, is Wikipedia because I you know the general present <laughs> everything is collapsed. You don't want to see anything. Yeah, like why would I want to see a table of contents? Why would I want to see categories? I love categories. Like maybe I'm that guy, but like I when I get to. a well, on a pivot, do, do you remember back in the day when Yahoo was where you would go for stuff? In the days before Alta Vista? it used to be you'd go to Yahoo. And I, there's this weird bit of searching foo, search foo, that I don't know if I invented this, but I feel like I got really good at it, which is if you couldn't find exactly what you wanted on the first try, you'd go and look for something very similar to what you wanted to find. And then you could sort of like look around that if you didn't get the taxonomy right. Do you know what I'm saying? And that's... And that's, that's still kind of how my brain works now, where I'm like, I wonder what level of this hierarchy I'm at. Like, if I, if I go and look at the category part at the bottom of the desktop page, I'm frequently fascinated. I'm fascinated by, like, what got its own uh, portal area. Like, you know, oh, my gosh, this is actually part of a series of things. I find that to be one of the most illuminating parts of Wikipedia is all the metadata. And, like, you just don't get that on mobile. You've got to switch to desktop. And if you don't switch back, then you get desktop forever. And it's weird. Yeah, a
1: lot of, I understand why a lot of sites have mobile versions, but especially if it's a site that you use all the time, like Wikipedia or whatever, you just get used to all the things that are there on the desktop one, and especially on iPads, but even on big iPhones, it's just like, just just give me the real site. I can I can handle it. The phone can handle it. I can handle it. Everything will be fine. Mm-hmm. Don't try to give me this weird collapsed up accordion of stuff.
0: That's I remember definitely.
1: Yahoo, by the way, like I, I, one of my first web experiences. Some uh, my kids don't know anything about the web, which is kind of sad. So I can't regale them with stories of the old web because they don't care about the modern web. But like, um, you would to before before Alta Vista even to find things on the internet, you go to Yahoo, and they had a taxonomy, and you go into categories and stuff. And I had a YouTube lyrics website that I got listed on Yahoo's things. So you'd go to like music, and you'd go I don't know some categories like rock or whatever, and then you then you go uh lyrics and then there'd be like alphabetical and you could eventually get to the page that had the links to all the youtube lyrics websites on the internet as far as anyone knew <laughs> uh, you know right there were all there was there was a page of maybe 20 of them mine was one of the 20 and that's how you found things on the internet because there weren't you couldn't
0: i think it was like pre lycos
1: pre uh what yeah before altavista what was the other one the other popular one in the early days. Like there was no Altavista real...
0: was the first really super great one. Um Lycos, Jeeves, um I'm trying to think of Jeeves was later. There was another L one, I think. Um um, um far Lycos was the dog. Oh man, I'm totally farting out on this. Alright, it was an I but Info I mean the, the something Seek? Yeah, anyway, uh, Yahoo had a human curated directory. It was a card catalog index and somebody had to manually agree that your thing was valuable, put it on the index card and then slip it in there and then and then like there was a question of like were you one of the myriad ones that was down here in uh plain or were you up here at the higher level where you were bold because that was one of the like mm-hmm, ooh these mm-hmm. are the, like the premium sites.
1: And there weren't that many of them. Like again, no. how many sites on the, how many sites related to YouTube period were on the internet? Not more than 100. Like mm-hmm. and I think obviously they weren't getting them all, but they were getting a lot of them. like the internet was so small that you could list the web pages for like categories of things, like an entire band. It was so absurd. Um but it was fun. What was the what was the award with the penguin? Was that Yahoo Cool Side of the Day?
0: Uh I don't know if
1: it was a penguin, but yeah, Cool Side of the Day was I thought it was like a little star, a purple star or something.
0: Was that it? I got the one with the penguin one time. Really, it was like it was like a highlight of the, of well, the, the 90s. Off-brand, non-union, <laughs> The Mexican equivalent. Yeah, <laughs> Señor Spielberg. Yeah. yeah. Um, hmm. Your kids don't know about the the web. No, you, they don't Google you, stuff all the time. They,
1: neither one of them are into computers, so they uh, they wow, wow, deal wow. with the internet in the same way. That i don't know i'm trying to think of maybe it's not i'm not a good example but in, in the same way that regular people they don't care how it works it's just if it's a fact of life it's there they're not really interested in the details you know and i was gonna say like me with cars but i wasn't interested there was very little that i wasn't inter- interested in the details. of maybe like uh food manufacturing like i dealt with you know when i was a kid you go to the store you could buy cookies i didn't think too much no that's not even true i thought about everything anyway my kids <laughs> uh, are not it was mr roger you remember on it was it mr rogers maybe it was the electric company where they, of would get, P- where they
0: would go to like like a factory or something yeah
1: lots of pbs shows would like show you how crayons were made and i was fascinated by those things like i would watch those i would just watch those for hours i just wish they had a channel just showing me like here's how f- this kind of food is made here's how they manufacture lawn chairs just watch them forever they have those now on like whatever the, it's not the history channel but some other channel on tv and they're terrible They're not as good as the PBS ones. They they didn't understand the sort of meditative trance that you need to get into, where you just have the boring narrator saying a few words, then you watch the machine do its thing, and the camera
0: follows it silently for way longer than you think it should. That's the good stuff. Say nothing and hold the shot way longer than you think you should, then show the next thing and keep not talking. That's the yeah, best and, kind and, of movie. And
1: show it repeating a thousand times. Now they, I watch one of those things like, oh, we're going to show you how this is made, and they just gloss over everything and they're cut, 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 cut. It's like, what? What are you doing? It's not you're in a hurry. You got somewhere to be. Like no. I these kids see today it.
0: with their MTV and the fast cuts, it's crazy.
1: No, but seriously, for factory footage, like it, you know, they were showing how razor blades were made. It's like you didn't show me anything. It's like, eh, the metal goes in this end, and out pops a razor blade. What? What do you mean out pops a razor blade? <laughs> show me that machine a hundred <laughs> times. Show me the, the macro photography of the little edges in the.
0: It's terrible. All of those kinds of things and the like, there's something, this might be my ASMR, but I could watch those all day. And also just the whole sort of predict, not predictable, but the whole like comfortable arc of chaos to order, where on the one end, you've got a whole bunch of stuff that needs to be made into stuff. And maybe there's stirring of the stuff and there's sluicing of the stuff and there's the moving of the raw stuff. And then at some point, the stuff gets turned into like a shape. Or a series of shapes. And then there's the thing that kind of rattles it all around and makes it go into the right order. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about, those kinds of patterns where it's like that's I could just sit around and watch hot dogs be made all day long. And like now and it goes down the little chute and then it goes into this thing. And then somebody inspects it, it goes into the box, the boxes get wrapped. I mean like give me half an hour of that a day and I'd be good to go. Yeah, And you got watch. You got to watch the thing that puts the
1: wrapper around the thing in in a way that it, you have to watch it a hundred times till you, before you understand how it works because it goes so fast. Yeah. You can't just watch it once and be like, Zoop, wait, wait a second, how did that wrapper get around that thing? I don't understand this process at all. How is, how is this thing cutting all those things? How does it know when to cut? And then uh, the more advanced ones would have, this is when there was less automation, they would stop by someone's station and ask them about the thing they do. And they wouldn't ask them and have them go, I take this box from here and I put it over there. Like, <laughs> they would tell you all the nuances of, like, you can't just pick this thing up over here and put it over there. You have to put it like this. And if this little corner is like that, you can't have it like this. And don't, you know, here are all the things that you could, that gets your hand chopped off and, like, don't do it like that. And just, you know, there's so many nuances that make, it makes, it seems like it's just a dumb mechanical thing. But there's a million finer points of exactly how to do it in a way that won't mess up the product down the line, that it actually is efficient or whatever. And that was also fascinating. That's more of like the, the human interest version but, but anyway my kids don't seem to be interested in that and they're not interested in computers and i have not been pushing them to be interested in computers i give them a chance i've tried i've offered to teach them programming basics and stuff they're just not into it but i don't want to be like okay, if you're not into computers you'd be into what you're into you don't have to be into what i'm into but the bottom line is none of them you know use computers especially desktop computers
0: hmm yeah yeah, they had to do some. Oh man, I got some interesting updates for you. Um, one thing is they had to do some reading comprehension stuff on. I guess I don't know if it's a Chromebook or a PC. And my my daughter was kind of forlorn because she's really really good at the iPad. But she was like, ah, I don't I don't like computers. I thought that was such an interesting thing to like be so. I mean, like you should see her sitting there with Siri, like sitting there in Safari and going Shopkins, Shopkins season I am, five. I know. She's really good at it, and I, like it's she's she knows how to work it. I think it's actually making her speech better because <laughs> she has to make the make the robot like her voice. I think we talked about this before, but like
1: that they'll just basically have a long angry conversation with Siri instead of taking two seconds to type a URL. Oh, I mean, interesting they, nuts. they won't even do a Google search. So it'll be like Shopkins, Shopkins. <laughs> like they're getting increasingly angry, with Siri. Not <laughs> not translating. <laughs> Very often, I've got my daughter having long conversations. Eventually, I just have to come in and be like, S H O P Look, it's auto completing. It go.
0: <laughs> That's what I keep saying. I was like, "Honey," and, and she's still she's a, she's a great she's a really good reader and a better speller than she realizes. You don't even have to be. You just have the for three characters. It's the only site they ever go to. They, they it'll auto complete. You know, file a bug because I'm sitting there with her and I'm saying the same thing. She's like, "I don't, I can't spell." She says, "You know, I'm really good at reading, but I hate spelling." I'm like, "Honey." Look, if you just type S-H-O, and then it fills in the rest. She goes, I know. So that's the perfect conversation with my daughter. And she's frustrated by the thing. She doesn't even want to learn the thing that she already knows because she already knows it, and, mm-hmm. and that's annoying mm-hmm. to her. Yep. Shopkins, season five. Um, yeah, my son, when he types things like that,
1: when the autocomplete thing comes, like then he, he reaches over to the mouse. He drives his little cursor up to the autocomplete field. He hovers over there. I don't even want to see like, just every turn, for crying out loud. Like, I don't know how many times they have to do it to, to pick up, like, the... And they're not efficient iOS users either. Like, they know how to use it and how to get where they want to go,
0: but they don't... All the extra efficiencies, they either don't discover or aren't interested. Right, right. And, like, like for me, I'm really frustrated if I if I thought Chrome was... what I don't know the word, focal, was the front app, and I'm hitting Command-L in the wrong app. I'm like, ah, I'm in deliveries. I'm not in Chrome. Like, I just, man... But that's you know, tears and rain, John. That's that's uh, all this this mouse stuff. It's it's already gone by. It's already gone by. But,
1: but not even just like I said on iOS, like doing, using the multi finger swipe gestures to get from one app to another way more efficient than what they're doing. Oh, she no, does that like, all the time about, because she gets really
0: she gets super excited in a game. She starts banging all over the screen, and then all of a sudden she's in editorial. Yeah, that's why you got to turn that off for toddlers, but like turn it back on for, for adults. <sighs> that's a good swipe. I think a lot of I, I'm guessing a lot of people don't know the four finger swipe. Yeah, well, this is a, actually an ATP topic that will probably
1: come up in the next show, but, like, um, I think I was complaining about uh, double-tapping the home button. It's kind of annoying to go to the multi-off switcher. Like, double-tapping the home button to get to, or going to the home button, with the, but don't I you use the five-finger squish or whatever? I love those gestures, mm-hmm. except it, there are one or two apps that, uh, you know, so games, I used to have some games that I let the kids play, so you can't have Fruit Ninja and, and those gestures on at the same time. It just doesn't work. Your fruit ninja phases evolve, our lives past and that's fine
0: well i'm sorry i'm i don't
1: know that i i know of the game you know, i know it's fr- popular it's just, a bu- it's just a bunch of pieces of fruit because there's them a lot of banging you on you screen swipe them with your fingers and so if you give it to a toddler they're going to okay it sure. their little hand, and they'll end up switching apps exactly like your daughter right um my current app is my my twitter app my main app that i use basically probably on all my ios devices it has a gesture where you can do a two-finger swipe down i think to change accounts which is really convenient if you change accounts a lot but however, I do the five finger squish or the four finger swipe, it it does the thing that I want. But when I go back to Twitterific, it will have changed accounts on me because it before it switched it, it, the gesture recognizer recognized my two finger swipe down thing, which isn't you know it's it's basically just a battle between the OS and my sloppy gestures and the application. So I can't have I can't have it on because I'm always in like it's it's the worst to. Get used to a gesture and then realize, oh, every time I do that, oops, you didn't realize it. But now when you go back to Twitter, I think you're going to be on your other account. You're going to have to switch back. And it's kind of a pain.
0: This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Hover. You can learn more about Hover right now by visiting hover.com. And here's the thing. When you have a great idea for your next project, your blog, your store, your startup, whatever your great idea is, You also need to give that idea a great domain name. And finding that perfect domain is ridiculously easy with Hover. I want to tell you what I really love about Hover. Here's the thing. They are straight shooters, and they will treat you like an adult. Because when all you want to do is buy a domain name or email address, you shouldn't have to opt out of page after page of add-ons that you don't want or don't need. Leave it. That's why Hover only offers domains and emails. So you can focus on finding a great domain name and then getting back to work on your great idea. They also believe that you shouldn't have to pay for things that should already be included with your domain, looking at you, other guys. Most people don't realize that when you register a domain name, your contact information, that's your email address, your phone number, your home address, hmm? It's all published online for marketers, spammers, and hackers to find out who is in the Whois database. This is real, people, unlike most other domain providers. Hover includes free Whois privacy with all supported domains, and that keeps your information confidential. So please, find the perfect domain name for your great idea and treat yourself to a company that treats you like an adult human being. You go to Hover.com and use the promo code SAUCE, S-A-U-C-E, SAUCE at checkout. It's going to save you 10% off your first purchase. Our thanks to Hover for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. You got the reduced motion thing in here, too. That's another ATP topic. But did you just pull that out of the chat, the Slack chat? No, you are you talking about from uh, a Slack that I'm on? I am not on an ATP Slack. I don't know about that. But but no, no, no I got no. it because it, I I I ran into. Okay, sorry. It was from the the relay Slack, right? Okay, hang on. You're talking about where we're? Yes, I do know what you're talking about. <laughs> Yes. And I went through exactly the same thing you did, as, you, as discussed on the Relay Slack, which I am on. Uh, yeah, I went through the same thing because I was like, hey, I kept hitting the blue arrow. How do I, make, how do I send with lasers? Like, how do I do this? And then I finally caught the thing where it said you got to turn off reduced motion, which I have had off since mm-hmm. day one on every single device. Now, I don't want to gank your topic if this is something you want to talk about on your five-hour podcast no, with your buddies. we can, we can talk about it now is that they sure I just the wanted to... This is funny. This is the reason I mentioned this here. Um, did I have something else to talk about? Maybe. Um, it was... Uh, you know, it's one of those things like when... Especially... Let's put it this way. Like, if you're running Chrome or, you know, for a long time I was using Firefox... And you've got stuff like, you know, just even, even let's say you've got a pop-up blocker. Let's say you're not one of those horrible people that blocks ads, whatever that means. But let's just say like you have a pop-up blocker on, or let's say, you know, you have different kinds of things that help reduce the nuisances in a browser. And then you go and you watch your relatives using it. And you're like, oh my God, because first of all, most of them have zombie computers and just don't know it yet. But then also you're just like, oh my God, how do you live like this? How do you, how do you stand having to click all these windows and do all these things, and, oh, my God, this is so gross. And, you know, I don't have that feeling very often on iOS, but when I turned off the reduced motion thing, I was like, what in the hell is this fresh hell? Because all of a sudden, everything's moving around, and icons are getting big when you launch things, and I'm coming out of some 2001 vortex when I want to go to the springboard. I, I guess I'm just curious. I mentioned, I'm i curious if, if you had any kind of a similar reaction, because I thought... it made ios seem so garish but that's the ios that everybody normal experiences every day and i thought it felt bananas i thought it felt like a freaking like carnival game yeah this came this started
1: in ios 7 is when these animations began and also that same os had the reduced motion setting that you could use to turn it off and i'm mostly aesthetically i mostly like all the animations the reasons i turned off two reasons one perceptively
0: it seems slower it feels so much slower with the end. It could be the exact same amount of time, yeah. but every time it pull, I get that icon pulling back to the springboard thing, it feels, like, it feels, feels, feels like it takes three times yeah. as long. And, and, you know, back in the iOS seven days, I looked into this and I'm
1: like, no, the animation times are exactly the same, but there's, there's two aspects of the animation time being the same. Like one is how it feels that we already talked about. Like, Oh, even if it's the same time, it doesn't seem the way, but the second is if it's the same time, but the transition is, it's like 0.3 seconds. Um, but not all of that 0.3 seconds is spent in the transition. Like, sort of, if it's like a zoom out thing where as soon as you initiate the home button thing, icons start flying in and they take 0.3 seconds to fly all the way in and settle into springboard. Whereas if your transition is like crossfade for half of those 0.3 seconds, you're mostly still looking at the original screen and then the second half. And that's if it's just split in half down the middle. What I feel like is I have more time to look at the previous screen. I was on in its entirety before i get to the next screen so if i'm reading a sentence and i hit the button i've got an an extra 0.15 seconds to read the you know anyway i'm what i'm saying is that mostly perception but there could also be an actual practical aspect in terms of being able to read the previous page before the other one comes through and it's like why are you transitioning if you're still reading anyway i'm trying to think of why it feels faster the second reason i turned it off is i did find myself getting a little bit of vertigo from it on the on that time my iPod touch Mm -hmm. not so much like it actually makes me motion sick but I my eyes start to try to follow the motion right Hmm. they start like they get drawn to it in a way that I find slightly disconcerting and uncomfortable so it was just no-brainer for me turn it off right yeah and then I'm trying to show my kids these cool new effects in iOS 10 because I thought they would like them because you know confetti and lasers and stuff like that and, you know, I just do it spontaneously. I've had iOS 10 on, but I've never had occasion to use the thing. I'm like, oh, hey, take, kids, take a look at this. I can't. Same thing. I can't figure out how to do it. I am holding down on a little arrow. I'm like, is it force touch only? I just can't figure it out. And like, at first I thought maybe this, you know, I'm using a beta. Maybe it's force touch only. I'm trying to think of reasonable explanations. But pretty quickly, I had a suspicion that it was reduced motion. But I didn't want to believe it because that's such a terrible choice for to have that have that giant os-wide setting affect this specific feature of this specific app my exact thought my exact thought you know and so eventually when i asked they're like oh no you just do the thing i'm like it's got to be reduced motion and lo and behold it was like make that an app preference for crying out loud like by all means make it default to the setting of the reduced motion setting but i don't want motion anywhere in the os but if i ever choose to send lasers i want to see lasers like it doesn't you know it's it's a they're saving a setting by tying it all together. But now people who don't want motion are stuck. I can't see anybody's lasers or send lasers unless I go into the, the global settings app and change how the way the whole OS works. Not good.
0: Well, be- and, and in part, I haven't thought this through, but in part because the reduced motion is, um, nominally or, you know, I guess explicitly a, an accessibility feature. Um, this leads to a bigger question of like there's a lot of amazing stuff or at least useful stuff that's kind of like hidden away in the accessibility ghetto that would be great for everybody to have access to but the way they kind of squirrel it away in there i mean there's all kinds of stuff like down to like you can actually it isn't just a matter of do you want stereo or mono like how much more audio do you want in this year than that year you know it's
1: i think it's all it's fine for it to be under accessibility because that is i think that that destigmatizes it the fact that people start to learn you know what Everybody has something that they could use some help with sensory input wise. And yes, put them under accessibility. Like, I don't think you need to say, here's the normal people accessibility settings. And here's the one for people who actually, you know, I think that's mostly okay. But having a broad one, like reduced
0: motion, like it's almost as if if you had a reduced motion on, you couldn't watch video on. The well, web. and that's, that's what I was trying to eventually get at. I mean, I, I, I think I'm agreeing more than you realize I, what I'm trying to say is that. Well, I mean, then it starts to seem kind of arbitrary, like what you decide. It's like like the Magnify thing. And maybe this is just because all the things I think I need shouldn't be under accessibility. Have you done Magnify yet? No, I don't. So you, don't you can, that. You can uh, bind that to triple click. And basically, uh, especially on a recent iPhone or iPad, it lets you zoom in on something. Like if you want to get the serial number off of something, mm-hmm. uh, it's really, really cool. And it works great. Uh, anyway, I guess what I'm trying to ultimately say is like, it, like so is the implication then that people who need that for an accessibility reason can't stand with lasers? Like, that would be weird. I mean, aren't those different things? I think the reason is like, the motion is like, uh, I, mean, I can understand for like flashing
1: lights and stuff for like epilepsy. Oh, and, sure. You know, but so the reduced motion is, I mm-hmm. think it's mostly for the people who experience like a more severe version of the vertigo effect. It's, it's kind of... It can be like aesthetic preference of like, okay, well you don't like these effects, you don't have to see them. But but mostly I feel like the more serious reason that it's there, that they bothered to have a setting at all is for people who, for whom the animations are disorienting. Um, and it makes makes the thing less usable, right? But for the people who's disorienting, like, first of all, I think even with the setting off, you should be able to see your own lasers that you send, because you're choosing to do that. I like agree. you don't want don't want lasers, <laughs> don't put lasers in. Second of all, on the receiving end, if you have uh you know if it, it's it's not as if you are in you see lasers every time you launch an app like it is an interaction with somebody else that like i feel like you should be able to negotiate the interaction with the people who are messaging you to, to come to an understanding about whether or not you want to receive confettis or lasers or whether they they uh, cause you physical distress and like i said it's the same thing with video someone could send you a movie of flashing lights uh, do they have it at, if you do reduce motion can people not send you video in uh, messages no they can send you any video they want they could send you a video of a strobe light right I, I just feel like that that's that environment is you know and again you can have it default to that but there should be a separate setting where the second thing is just from a usability standpoint fine reduce motion is on for all the people who reduce motion is on they hear about all these cool features maybe they want to try them because they feel like they won't be disorienting or how they know if they'll be disorienting they need to try it first and it just says like sent with lasers sent with confetti in tiny little text
0: like <laughs> did you see the image i dropped in? Because I if you don't know what this means, it's so bizarre to receive these messages. So you can see this transcript between my daughter and I. Hi, sent with lasers. Oh, I've been doing that to my kids
1: now. Like I write the second message with in parentheses, sent with lasers. <laughs> like so, it's impossible to
0: tell. Well, you're like you're like gaslighting people. Like, do I have the, the reduced motion setting? Or why can't I see it with the lasers? <laughs> But this is, this is one, this is almost like one of those um, yes, yes, no, reply all things, like very hard to explain. My daughter uh, writes to say, the only problem I had to get a little pony, sent with Shooting Star. Next message, laughed at, the only problem I had to get a little pony. Well, that's, there's like three things to understand about that. First of all, she loves hitting the autocomplete on a given word area. Do you ever do that? To make like, yep, like, yep, yep. but Ma- it's Markov really chain things yeah. kind of, but it's, I mean, it's, it's this weird, but I guess it, it ends up revealing kind of odd things about you as the person who's using it. But she loves to hit that, that, and make like just paragraphs and paragraphs of like these Markovy things. And then, of course, under that, it says sent with shooting star. And then it says laughed at the only problem I had to get a little pony because, because <laughs> it's like, it's like having vision read your tweets to you or something. She, because uh, that's when she went in and hit the long press dingus to add the laughter icon, or sticker, or whatever it's called. It's very, very odd. Yeah. I'm not a fan of the paste button being on the keyboard like that, too. It's too easy
1: to accidentally paste stuff in.
0: I still accidentally record things all the time. I feel like I'm I'm like smart enough, and I still don't understand how... I feel like that there are glancing blows in almost every app where I'm constantly doing something and not realizing it. I'm constantly recording myself. And it could just be where I put my thumb, I guess. I'm constantly recording myself in messages, and I don't know why. I'm constantly... Fast forwarding thirty seconds when I hit the lock with Overcast. I, I imagine it's not a bug. I'm almost positive it's not a bug. But for some reason, every time I go click to shut off, you know, the sleep the sleep button, I somehow always manage to fast forward thirty seconds. And I've got I've got tons of these little these little ticks. You got old man shaky hands. What you Old man no, shaking hands. Well, I have the same
1: thing with uh, when I'm in certain positions, usually late at night when I'm scrolling with one of my thumbs couple of apps start interpreting it as two presses like from one bulgy part of my thumb and then another bulgy part oh you should get that checked and, out that's and, not good and like they'll interpret it as a two finger swipe and whatever two finger swipe or two finger press means in that app will trigger and I'll have to stop it from triggering it's I, I, I realize it's happening now it's just you have to you have to gesture very carefully these things are very sensitive whatever machine learning they have to do palm rejection is not currently figured out lumpy
0: side of my thumb rejection <laughs> <laughs> uh, so for some reason, Twitter, uh, has decided to put the follow button, uh, pretty much exactly where my thumb wants to go to scroll. And so then I suddenly feel like a crazy person because I'm following, follow, follow and
1: unfollow everybody. Yeah. Oh
0: my God. And I feel now, what do you do? It's a total mm-hmm. like Larry, got, da- La- gotta it's gotta Larry David unfollow. situation. You got to immediately
1: unfollow. It's the only, that's the only <gasps> us. I've done the same thing. I've done it. I've done it with faves. It's the worst. You, f- you fave-unfave? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, an uh, accidental fave. And it's like it's not like I'm faving, like, something terrible. I'm just faving, like, a regular run-of-the-mill tweet. But it's like, no, I got to undo that immediately. I didn't press that on purpose. It's
0: almost it completely random, though, because there's no logic that goes into it except that the, the accident of, like, where your thumb... Yeah, I don't know that day. often. I'm using Twitter
1: Twitterific, and Twitter Twitterific makes you do one tap first <laughs> to activate the thing. And then... And it's actually... It's not a very big target, so it's not easy to do it accidentally, but I have done it accidentally, and it just, you got to just immediately undo it. Because... It's not defensible. To you, you can't convince people that you had this crisis and had to think about it for a while. If you immediately undo it, you can say, "Well, timeline wise, you can see how this was obviously a mistake. Oh. I did it, and then I immediately undid it." Whereas later, if you if you undo it five minutes later and then try to convince them it was because you were you were fretting about whether you should undo it, that it just doesn't. It's
0: like <laughs> I thought know. better of you as a person. <laughs> here's here's another one I just realized. Uh, so I'm on El Cap on. Uh, my iMac and I'm realizing funny videos with scrawling on it are just funny videos. You don't get the scrawl. So if the person's doing like doodle stuff and they think they're inside of a heart or devil horns, you just get their face. It's really mm-hmm. weird. Hmm. I'm very excited, but we can't talk about it now. And you have your other program, your successful show. Uh, but uh, I'm, I love iOS 10. I'm, I really, really like a lot about it, especially the the touch stuff feels pretty great to me i don't know it's not a tech feel like podcast. those
1: notification bubbles i feel like they're not an upgrade over the banners
0: hmm well i am, unless i'm am, was missing a lot a lot in nine boy i'm finding everything so much more interactive like i i love the ability to like whatever that's called 3d touch long press whatever to like you know text from my wife comes up i can reply to it boom it goes away um i love that um i love uh i don't know there's just all kinds of stuff i like the i've argued with several people about this because apparently i'm dim but like i love that whole like dismiss all notifications for all time with the but one press and a i thing. don't i don't have Force touch so i can't use that feature i've got it on my
1: ipad i can't clear all it's the one feature I was oh so ios 10
0: is just on your ipad right now yeah
1: okay all right because i did i did the beta on my ipad but i didn't want to do it on my phone i'm just going at this point i'm just gonna wait for the real oh it's it's you know well but yeah. anyway i don't have Force touch on my phone either what? It's a six, I have a six. Oh. Force touch a 6S. Hmm. See you. Fancy about it. people who get this new phone every year.
0: Ah uh, can I just say one thing here? Yes. Please. And uh, this is the only thing I'm gonna say about this, I hope. Um you know, my wife's phone got killed. I told you this, right? That got basically killed. They're an <laughs> actor in the sentence. It is believed that mistakes were made. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, so somebody put a bottle of water in my wife's purse. Her 6S Plus is is dead like Trotsky. Uh, I tried rice. I tried silica. I did everything. A bottle of water? Was there a cap on the bottle of water? It looked like it at first. And then her whole, she has a Timbuktu bag, so it's, you know, waterproof. So the cap was not, was the cap not secured well?
1: Or was there just no cap, period?
0: No, there was nominally a cap on it, but it came right off. All right. And so her entire purse was filled with water. So, you know, we're in a funny position. We're like, you know, I'm fine. She's so heartbroken because she loves that phone. She feels terrible. I know I've talked about this. But she, you know, she loved that phone and she feels awful about it. And I like, and she definitely does not. She's like, if anybody gets a new phone, I want it to be you. And I'm like, oh, but like you love that phone. So the thought had been, I'll get my first plus. I'll get the... No, 7+. plus. Why do you get it for all your tech podcasts that you do? I don't even want it. But, I mean, I, I've been wanting one, but, like, now we've got to do the hand down, like, where she's going to get my 6S Prime so would be the idea. So, right now, she's on, like a, like, a 4S or a 5S that I dug up for her and put the SIM card in. Anyway, long story short, but there is some reason for us to get a new phone. If we're going to get a phone, new phone, we might as well get a nice one, da 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 I don't know where I'm going with this. I stayed up late. I had everything ready. I did everything I could. I had favorited the three items that I planned to buy, right? Isn't that kind of like a good strategy? It's a favorited. You're ready to go. You click it. So it's midnight Pacific time, three-year time. Story won't load. And, of course, I'm using the app because I know to use the app. Won't load. Won't load. Won't load. Nothing happens And then by what, like eight minutes after? It pops up. Hey, look, there's things. And I go and I click and I do the thing. I'm trying to remember the first dumpster fire of this particular uh, late night for me was I think the first time was I went through, I went to check out and it was some kind of mystery meat. It wasn't like a credit card denied, but it was like a transaction didn't go through thing. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And I, I did it again. It didn't work. And then from then on, for the rest of the time that I tried, for the next 45 minutes, neither the website nor the app would load. Oh, you know what it was? It said, your order might have gone through. You'll receive an email about this. It really felt like some part of this chain just pooped out. And then finally, around 1 o'clock, I went to bed. I said, nah, screw it. We'll see where we are in the morning. But even by the time I was giving up... um, I would get to the page and I would see it going like September 16th, October, November. By the time I got up the next morning and bought the one that I wanted, quote unquote, it was November 30th.
1: What were you trying to get?
0: Jet Black 7 Plus. What size? 128. Really? November 30th. So you know what I did? I canceled it. And I thought, you know what? Just go to a store. Just show up in person at a store or you'll get one before then. Well, maybe, but now here's the funny part. Now, now, and this is the last tech part because I know this is not your popular show, but like, you know, now, so that was when? That was fr- 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 Friday? Is that I right? Know. I don't know. I didn't stay up for this thing. But it was that. a few days ago. Yep. And at first I was like, honestly, I was like, you know what? This is the least crestfallen I've ever felt. I was mainly bummed because that that sucks that Apple kind of went boobies up on their, you know system again i know that's hard to keep from happening but i was like you know that's okay this is not a big deal there are other models i could get if we decide but i was like you know what maybe i'll just kind of hang back for a while i'll get the watch <laughs> i'll get the adapter that i now don't need but you know i'll just hang back for a little while and now you know uh i got real different feelings than i had a few days ago i'm starting to wonder about whether the JetBlack 128 would have been actually the best choice i'm wondering how you feel you people, Marco's going through the same thing as people who... Oh, I see. But, he's, he seems like he's having a dark night of the soul about these yeah, lenses. Like,
1: you, you stay up real late to order this phone, and then whether you get it or not, you start having second thoughts, and you order a second one, and you cancel that order, and you end up just getting
0: online and buying one No, but first got to like, cancel the old one, because it goes, uh, you yeah, already well, have an AT&T you know, thing
1: in your basket. Some people have a high tolerance for getting orders and returning them and canceling them and buying things from the store.
0: I went to bed not knowing if I had or had not gotten a phone, and if I had or had not... Spent approximately six thousand dollars because I didn't know if the transactions had gone through. I tried twice, and then I was like, "You know what? Getting too rich for my blood. I can't do too many of these." Yeah, oh, I don't, I don't yeah, I don't have
1: these uh same issues figuring out what it is I want. Like, I, I know I am not gonna, I, you know, I need more information, so I am gonna see them in person. And when I see them in person, I'll decide. um And by the time I am at the point where I am ordering something, I'll be sure that i want the thing that i'm ordering now maybe i can get it and find out that i'm wrong or regret it but i never have the thing where i ordered it but then oh no is that really the one i wanted but then i should get a different one but then i can get it sooner because i'm not in it. i guess it's also because i'm not in a big hurry to get it if i was a big hurry to get it then i would have like you maybe have seven orders in flight and you just see which one wins and cancel all the other ones and do stuff like that but anyway i'm i'm in no hurry um i assume i'm gonna get a jet black uh regular size one but I, before i see them in person i can't know that i have to see what
0: that makes sense that makes sense like. i'm more circumspect than ever though because i've gone back and forth over the past few days and then finally yesterday i said ah screw it i'll just get i'll, I'll try the jet black one again and yeah, and then the thing i want to clarify here what a wonderful terrible time sink this is because each time you do this you go through the acrobatics, in my case, of saying, I'm going to buy it outright, but it's going to be on an AT&T account, d diddly, d, and each time you do that, it'll say, you know, if you try and do that while you already have one in the shopping cart, you have, it'll say, it'll give you a little nasty gram and say you can't have more than one AT&T phone in the basket. So you go, you, you uh, delete that part of the basket, you wait a while for it to catch up, you try it again. So I did this with a jet black, I did this with a black, and I finally did it with a silver. And I got the same stupid thing every time, which was, you get to the checkout page, and you got the radio button that says, uh, ships in two to three weeks, or pick up in store, thus and such. A clear, non-grayed out radio button, but I couldn't click on the pick up in store option. What was I doing wrong? Tiny tap areas. I am Mm -hmm. suspicious of when... I have this, again, in Twitterific. It has a very small tap area for favoring. Sometimes it takes me five tries to hit it. No, the do-you-want recycling information was the same size, and I tested mm. that one several times on and off, and it worked fine. Can you zoom? Can you scroll to a different region of your screen? I'm just here to say now I am more circumspect than ever, that I'm happy to wait... For now, the the phone stuff,
1: that's that's the worst. That's another reason I would never try to do it in a rush order, because even like when I'm buying a phone after everybody already has theirs, it's months later, the phone is out, it's in stock in every single store. There's plenty of it because you have to go through some web thing that has to interact with the carrier's website. Carrier's website, in my experience, are up like 50 percent of the time. Like they're up and working like 50% of the time. Like there's a website there, but anything that integrates with it, whether it be Netflix login or any other thing that asks you who your television provider is or your phone ordering process that has to connect to the back end of Verizon or whatever, and to confirm your account, that crap never works. And it just gives you an error message. Oh, we're having problems. Try again later. And you never know is, is this really try again later? Or could I, in theory, try this every day for the next six months and it would never work. And so I want any sort of ordering experience that interfaces with a cell carrier to be when nobody else is doing it. so you got to wait until, like, I don't know, like, Saturday or Sunday at, like, 7 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> and then nobody else is online, i got the server to myself, and I just cross my fingers, and maybe on the third try everything will actually work.
0: Yeah. You're right. You're right. Anyway. I'm circumspect now. I'm uh, not not circumspect. I'm uh, I'm sanguine. You, you just know what? I'm, I'm good. Though. I should, should just... Yeah, but then you got to go to the store.
1: I know. But, like, so, here, if you... What you have to do is, during this time when you're going to be buying stuff, uh, arrange your errands such that you happen to be walking by or close enough to an Apple store ah. once a week or so. And then you just stop in and say, hey, yeah, you yeah. don't happen to have any... And eventually, I mean, maybe eventually you'll find out, like, oh, when do you normally get the shipments in? Because if you just, like, a month or two later... It might yeah. still be hard to get a Jet Black normal one, but when you find out if they get shipments on it this
0: time on this day, you just come by and they have like seven of them and you buy one yeah. of them and you you're walk in the out with it you, you, you pass by. You pass right. by. You, you're picking up your produce. you may maybe getting your dry cleaning. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just pop into the Apple store, see find if they got any Jet go black. Find a reason to go to the mall.
1: for school or whatever. Yes.
0: Yes. I will do that. Yeah, I'm sanguine. I'm fine. Doesn't bother me. I still can't believe you got the new phone. And your wife's phone is dead. I don't, I don't understand how that works. She got the nice one last time, you know. Huh? You have a success,
1: right? You have she the most has, recent she has, phone.
0: She's a success plus.
1: Right, but that's the same generation, right? So yeah. her, her phone is dead. Your phone is fine. She doesn't have a success anymore. You still do. Why doesn't she get. So the what new am I phone? doing wrong? You think she, 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 sh- she should get the new phone?
0: Hmm.
1: Not a hand me down from you.
0: Hmm. Just
1: saying. Doesn't really doesn't really benefit me. <laughs> no, you're right. It doesn't. You're right. I should. She, You know, she works hard. I don't I, I, I quite understand why oh, you should have the new phone. Why? Why does she think you should have the new phone? Because
0: I'm the nerd. Eh. I'm the nerd.
1: Yeah. Meh. Eh. <laughs> Are you, though? Like, wow. you're ner- nerdier than her, and now you're the nerd. Do you have her
0: convinced that you're, like, an Uber nerd? Wow. Is it the glasses?
1: Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> I'm just
0: saying, like, that... Should, Jeez. Did, did she... Did she what, think what, she, what, what do I qualify to call myself, John? Did what, you think what?
1: she married? she think she married a nerd or like a rock and roll guy? Wow, my goodness! That's so why she needs to be on the program to get to the bottom of this. Oh well, that's never going to happen. I can <laughs> promise you that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Squarespace, the simplest way for anyone to create a beautiful landing page, website, or online store. You can start building your website today at squarespace.com. You go there, squarespace.com, it's on the internet, and you enter the offer code DIFFS at checkout. That's D-I-F-F-S. That's going to get you 10% off your first purchase. You need to be on Squarespace, people. I'm sick of telling you this. Get out there. Get on the Squarespace. We're going to keep doing these ads until everybody's on there. I'm serious. Now, here's the thing. With easy-to-use tools and templates, Squarespace helps you capture every detail of what drives you. All the details, they're right in there on Squarespace. Squarespace. Because if it's worth the effort, it's worth sharing with the world. Squarespace puts all the power you need into your hands and takes away the pain points. You don't got to worry about hosting. You don't got to worry about scaling. And you don't got to worry about what to do if you get stuck with something. They're going to help you out with this. Squarespace is there. With Squarespace, you can build a site that looks professionally designed, regardless of skill level. No coding required. Squarespace also has state-of-the-art technology to power your site and to ensure security and stability. They are trusted by millions of people and some of the most respected brands in the world. I'm a person, I don't know if I'm respected, but I use the crap out of Squarespace. It's where I host Roderick on the line and many other things. It's the best. Just go, get it, get Squarespace. I'm going to keep saying this until you do it. Squarespace site templates are stunning to look at, they all feature responsive design and they make your site look great on any size of dingus. Any size, manufacturer, doesn't matter. Is it a pad? Is it a, is it a TV? Is it a phone? Is it, is it something that hasn't been invented yet? Yeah, you know what? It's going to look good on there. This is just getting started. Squarespace has tons of awesome features. They have 24 by 7 support with live chat and email. They have a Squarespace commerce platform. You can sell things on the internet, people. Why are you not doing this? They have a cover page functionality. You can make a gorgeous single page website. Oh, all of this and so much more. And if you want to stretch Squarespace even further, let's say you are a little bit of a nerd probably none of our listeners, you got to check out their dev platform because this lets you dig into the code and tinker with your very own Squarespace site. Now, are you ready for this? You sign up for a year, which you should totally do. You're going to get a free domain name. That means you get to choose what your site is called. It's you dot whatever. Make it happen. Squarespace plans start at just $8 a month, which is a doddle, as Mike likes to say. Go, please, now, internet. Start a trial with no credit card required. Start building your website today, you go to squarespace.com. And when you decide, I don't say if, I say when, when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, you got to use that offer code DIFFS. That's D I F F S. That'll get you 10% off your first purchase and show your support for reconcilable differences. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting reconcilable differences and all of Relay FM. Let's talk about magic. So, this is your topic. What do you mean by this? Well, the gathering? Mm-mm, no gathering. Okay. Uh, I was thinking about magic and superstition, and I'm I'm trying to remember what made me add this to Off, off to an auspicious start. My goodness, what trying have I to done? Remember what made me add this? You just added it today. This is your topic. You sure that was me? Yeah. You sure yeah. I didn't get hacked? <laughs> it was, it was, your, it was your cursor? You <laughs> got hacked. Here, that's just for you. Is that what I is that what I do that bothers you? This, right there.
1: I can't. I also can't tell that if on your end you can tell when you're
0: highlighting the space at the end of a line. Can you see yourself doing that? Or from your yeah, I'm often fascinated are you, are you by not... a space you can't see until you see that. Look at that. Yeah, you can't right. see the space, no. and then you do that, and the space shows up. Yeah. No. Now you see it. Now you don't. Now you see it. Now you don't. And then sometimes I we'll just do the whole line like this. What color is it to you over there? Blue, light blue. Yeah, pink over here. Oh, how do I change that? Should should uh, I be a different color? Well, I we'll just open chat. Sorry about that. How do I change no, my
1: color? I don't think you can. I, don't, I think that's not, as I'm saying, like from your that's perspective, a, it's your color. But like if, if from the, the other people's perspective, they just think it assigns random colors to everyone editing. That
0: seems kind of normative. Huh. Uh, I was thinking about, I'm trying to remember what I was thinking about. Because I was not thinking about, I'm just, I, obviously I was thinking in some ways about your, uh, your rationality and your desire to think rationally about things. But uh, I don't know, I was thinking about all, all actually kind of all aspects of magic, and as you see here in parentheses, and superstition. And I guess I'm just interested, was there ever a time in your life when you were interested in, fascinated by, scared of, curious about magic, and like, what, how did that manifest for you? Because I was never that interested in. It. I thought doing tricks for people, <laughs> tricks are for whores. This is an illusion. Uh, I I I would be kind of interested in it, but it also kind of annoyed me. I had very conflicting feelings about magic. When I would watch a magic show, even today, sometimes it makes me angry when I watch a magic show. And maybe because I was thinking of Cardini, that might have been it. What makes you angry about it? It's a trick. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that drives me crazy. <laughs> I know it's a trick
1: yeah i I don't have any recollection of a time in my life when i- blew, didn't know magic was a trick. I'm obviously that time existed, but I don't have any recollection of it like I think I do remember on the edge of possibly believing that Santa could still be real like I remember bargaining down to like what what kind of modes of transportation would be possible for Santa if there could be multiple santas. so I remember pretty far back right but yeah. magic no maybe it's because I had early exposure to like this little kid. Magic trick things, you know, like whatever they give to Marshall the, Brodeen. the very kind of youngest children of like some some gag thing, or even just simple wand, like the wand that gets floppy and straightens out with the string in it, you know that, like yeah,
0: they, or even like like the mirror box trick, like some yeah, kind of yeah, little thing exactly. like that,
1: something some like the little canned trick sets they give to kids, and so it was always clear to me that magic was a trick, but I still was you know fascinated and entertained by it because it was. It was like athlete you know, athleticism for your hands. Like the idea that you could control your hands and your body to because I had all these books about magic, like, oh, just do this and hold the card here. And it's like, you can't hold a card there. Then there's no there's no part of your body that grips in that position. How can you have a card <laughs> at that, that
0: you know, and then you'd realize people could do it? Well, like, it's like TV? somebody saying, put on athletic shoes and run around the track four right. times in less than four minutes. Right, but just run really fast. And just run fast,
1: yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah, but, it, but it's worse than that because it's like, because they have to not just do the thing, but they have to do it in a way that, like, as you fumble and struggle to do it yourself, they do it in a way that you don't even notice that that's going on, even after you know that it's there. And, that's, and you'd see them on more PBS shows and stuff, and they'd show it over and over again. You'd be like, even I know how it's done. And I can't even see what the things are, you know, what, what's going on there. And then also the big illusions. This was I was grew up in the age of uh, David Copperfield and yeah. Doug Henning and all that stuff. And they, especially David Copperfield, with the big, oh, really you know, a big lot of those illusions. Di- yeah, but a lot of those were tricks. You know that, right? Yeah, I with know. David Copperfield, they, they all they all were. They all yeah. tricks. And So you had to figure out, like, okay, well, how many people do I see on my television screen are in on it? Is the entire audience in on it? Like, or is it just some people in the audience in that? Or right. is, the audience, is the live audience there actually fooled by it? Like, How many of them what, did
0: know the platform was turning?
1: Right, exactly. Like, at what level What level of uh, of trickery do we have here? And then, you know, or even just like stage stuff, where in general I tend to believe like a Vegas thing where they show like a theater or something, that the people in the audience paid for those tickets and they're not all in on it because they want to be entertained. So they must be done in a way that is convincing even if you were sitting in the room, so you can discount a lot of the television stuff. But anyway... I enjoyed the meta problem of figuring out the trick and figuring out how many people were in on the trick and how could you do it in such a way that it convinces me as the viewer sitting in my living room, also possibly convinces the audience.
0: Oh. You know,
1: like, and it's not as if I was, like, angry because it was just a trick. I I want, you know, I understood that they were tricks and it was a fun puzzle to try to figure out how they're done, which is why Penn and Teller were so interesting when they came out with, like, the, the cup and balls with the glass balls and everything. Like, that was just, you know, the next level of that.
0: I get it. Okay, yeah. So first of all, I guess I'm being extremely lazy, perhaps by design, with what we mean by magic. But um, I get what you're saying. So you could watch uh, something like that David Copperfield person, and, and you're mostly watching it for like, how did they, how did they, I mean, I guess we're all watching it for how did they do it, but you're thinking in a more engineering kind of way. As with Penn and Teller, like their, thing, their things are, their tricks, a lot of them, just so you know, but they are kind of an engineering wonder. But like this is why and so I, I I was telling my wife how happy I am that that you're one of the foremost progenitors <laughs> of my new favorite Roderick on the Line meme about uh Cardini. I mean, how much Ricky Jay stuff have you watched? Uh, what was that? The Art of Deception or The Practice of I've watched that. So did you, did that. you see the one with Cardini? Did you see the one where he talks about his mentors and mm-hmm, influence? Yep. Okay. There's another one. Some of these you got to go find, you know, on YouTube or elsewhere, but there's one I it might I think it it might be Ricky Jay and his 52 assistants, but there's one that's, it's David Mamet directed this and it's him on stage. It's in two acts. He's got a table on stage and he just comes out and, and does, does illusions or effects as he calls it. And like with that, uh, as with Apollo Robbins, I sit there and I watch it. Sometimes he kind of like lets you know what's going to happen. But I, I'm utterly enchanted by, what do you call it? Athleticism for your hands. Just the way, how easy he makes all of that stuff look and just I share the flabbergast of everybody in that room. And, I, and sometimes with him in particular, I'm, I'm, I'm rarely annoyed with Ricky J. Like, I could watch him all day because he is so masterful a showman and so athletic with his, with his little fat fingers. I could watch that all day. The stuff with the big stage stuff, you know, a lot of those are tricks. That's the thing is once you find out it's a trick, then we find out it's a trick, and then you find out how the trick works, and you can go back and watch it and go, okay, that's a trick – now I know how they did the trick. That's okay. You know what? Points for effort. Whereas with Ricky J, I, I have a feeling you could explain how he's able to do what he does with pulling out certain cards. And I would still find it equally mind-blowing in a way that I would not find the bullet trick as interesting when you know how it well, works. It's, it... That's a disappointment, John. It broke my heart. It <laughs> broke my heart when I learned how the bullet trick works. Because I can I tell you the truth without spoiling it. It's a trick.
1: I understand. I understand they're all tricks. A lot of them are tricks. The best ones of them. The best big stage illusions require the uh, skill and athleticism and sleight of hand on top of also it's a trick and also here's the setup and here's like, that. You, it's not enough to have here is what I've prepared and here how many plants are in the audience. Like, it's not enough to do that because even if you were to take any draw off the street and say, let me tell you how this trick works. Here's this, that, this machine here, this thing there, that person there, that person is your plant, this person. Even with that, on top of that, you also have to be able to slyly move this thing from that position to there, not show that you still have this. All right. So it's a combination. You're building up to a bigger illusion that you could do if it was just, you know, close up magic, where it's just on the table in front of you. In many ways, close up magic is more impressive because it's like it's just you, it's two hands, it's a table. You can see everything that's there. There's no actual like fake cards or setup thing or mirrors or a trick deck or whatever. Uh, but even, even in close up magic, if you have a trick deck, you can't pull off those tricks without also hiding the fact that you have a trick deck and doing other parts of it so i'm i think i think of it as all a piece and i'm not separating into like you are actually demonstrating a you know a skill that you practiced, you know 10 hours a day for 50 years of your life versus this is just a silly thing that anybody could do because i don't think almost any of the the tricks you see are things that anybody can do even if it's only just not telegraphing but the trick is and distracting people and leading their attention. But the, my favorite Penn Teller bits are like the ones, like I said, where they have, you know, the cup and balls trick, which is a classic. Did
0: you ever read that article he wrote? Uh, Tell, Teller wrote so. an article basically about like researching this magician. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. But basically researching the cup and balls, the guy who did like the greatest cup and balls trick of all time and like going and like, um, like tr- tracking down like people like Houdini who saw this in person and were blown away. we like, he's become like a student of this one particular effect
1: i think I'll, i probably I'll heard find, you I'll, i think i probably heard you talk about it but i don't I'll think i've it. actually seen it um but yeah when they do the, the cup and balls with the transparent cups so you can see where the balls are and wow that's fun that's fun to you know to show people how cup and balls work and i don't know if this is the same one because pentel do a bunch of ones where they have like magician's props but now transparent right and the the twist on it is one they're showing you the trick in a way that shows you the trick which I assume they get a pass from like the magician society of like, where you're not supposed to show anything is that they're showing you stuff that like everybody knows. Anyway, cause you can just go to a corner store and they do it with flair or whatever. But mm-hmm. always on top of this, there's the trick within the trick, which is we're showing you everything. And yet, even though we're showing you everything, we will still at some point do a thing that you didn't see coming. And how did we do that thing? Cause the trunks exactly. are Exactly. And that, that's,
0: that's the pen and Teller difference.
1: Right, and that's I've, that's fun. That's a, like when I first saw them, I'm like, oh, that's a fun twist on magic, because that's what I was always doing, is trying to figure it out. And once I had figured it out, it's like, well, why not show me that
0: you know that I know how the cup and balls work, but then fool me again on top of that. Do you understand? Don't tell me if you know. Don't tell me how it works. But do you understand how Apollo Robbins takes apart or appears to take apart the pen after he shop after he uh, pickpockets the pen? I've only read that one. I've never seen the specific.
1: Oh, uh, <gasps> you're part kidding! Of the pen. I've seen oh. the videos of him taking the watches off. I've seen how he does that. I've seen you've you you seen him on the, the Today Show. You've seen but, him on the, the Today right, Show, right? Thing. And, and okay. very, I've seen him do that same skit in various other contexts. But the one I've read about with the whole pen with taking thing, and I've never actually seen that one on, on video.
0: He does it. He does it in. Um, I think he does it in the Today Show thing. But there's another one where he talks about where he really drills down into the specifics of his particular style of misdirection, and it's a uh, pretty good look for a YouTube video like with a back. Black background, but he explains the misdirection of like when I touch touch you here, you don't notice me. Yeah, yeah. But like Like, how you get how you get a phone out of somebody's pocket, which it's just it seems so mind boggling to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's 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 pretty straightforward theoretically because you say, oh, I totally understand that theory. Even something simple like if I just invade, I figure out how much personal space each person has, and I invade their personal space, which makes them uncomfortable and basically blanks their entire mind you could punch them in the stomach they wouldn't notice because all they're thinking about (laughs) is this guy's face is too close to mine for 30 seconds right um so it's one thing to know that to like okay i understand the concept to be able to do that is much different like i think you know some people watch this video is like wow that is a clever way if you squeeze their wrist they won't feel you doing the thing all right now try it try doing that and they'd be like stop squeezing my wrist and get out of my face like (laughs)
0: it doesn't. It's, it's pure implementation
1: Right, it's like the theory is so sound and obvious to when you hear it, but but being able to pull it off, uh, and honestly, a lot of it has working, you know, for him and against him is the idea that you know he's hired to come to your party and do these things. So people know that's what he's going to do, and in some ways, people knowing knowing that it's coming makes it harder for him to do his job. But in other ways, because every all eyes are on him, and they're they're basically you're basically saying. Come, I know you're an entertainer now. Please entertain me. People are willing to be taken along for it. You know what I mean? They want they want the stuff to work. So I'm not quite sure how that comes out in the wash in the end.
0: But I think I think also though he's what. But if you're not a student, if you don't know what to look for, it's just going to make the misdirection work even better because you are hyper attenuated. But that just means he can make you more hyper attenuated towards exactly, the thing he exactly. wants you to notice. Yes, he's got.
1: It's a lot easier to redirect someone's attention when you have all of it. Right? right when, when right. every eye is on you right and because and, and again if you if you don't know where to look he knows where you're going to look and he's got all your it's almost as better if you had been like bored by him and distracted and didn't realize what he was doing and happened to watch him doing his thing you know happened to see him doing the tug or whatever because you were just like you know like out of your peripheral vision but once you're actually watching him
0: as a performer he's you know he knows where everyone's going to look he's controlling uh where you do your thing like the experiment with the passing the basketball we're like, you know, if they tell you to watch the passing of the bass, I'm not gonna spoil this if you haven't seen it, but if yeah. they, they tell that you one to watch, did, that one didn't work on me, but yeah, I know it got me. Um, but you know, telling somebody to pay attention is no guarantee that that's gonna work, but uh, but you're right, I mean, there's it is there's something to be admired about something where like that. That's why to me, watching that guy, and I, I don't doubt for a second, there are you know, some of these things are tricks, and in this case, some of his things might be tricks, but like, I it feels like pure implementation him with him watching watching him do that. ditto with you know with uh, with Ricky J. and I don't know. I mean, maybe there's tricks to what he's doing, but it just feels like the exercise of practice and talent in a way that I can't help but just completely love. Now Cardini. Cardini, Cardini... He can't, can't get rid of
1: those cards. I, when I watch that one, what I think about is like, okay, this is this is old footage, you know, yeah. right? So this is a long time ago, and it's like grainy, you know. Where has he got all those cards? I
0: have no idea where those
1: cards come from. Fan after perfect fan. If he, had,
0: if he had come out
1: on stage, and instead of doing all his tricks, had instead stripped off all of his clothing, how mu- exactly how many decks of cards are there in? I mean... Like, cause it's a lot of cards. It's not like he's taking out a, and fanning three cards in your face.
0: No, it's a it's deck, deck. It's, like it's like a, a deck it's like of cards,
1: like, or maybe a half a deck. Okay, but cards weigh a lot. Where are they all? Like, is yeah. he? Is he literally? Is his clothing made of cards? <laughs> it's like an insulated. It's like an insulated jacket, but just with
0: cards, like phone books in it. Does he? Does that outfit weigh seven hundred pounds? <laughs> I keep. I kept thinking in my head. My only solution for that is. Is it in uh, taxi driver? Or
1: he's got the he got the the thing that spring loaded
0: uh, <laughs> Yeah, shoots the gun in his But it still hand. would
1: have to be in his sleeves. And it in would his have to outfit. be like
0: a self loading, repeating, semi automatic card loading machine. Yeah, well, all I think about is his poor assistant who has to like load the out- load the
1: outfit before he's <laughs> you know. <laughs> Like, because he, oh, when man. he's done, this card's all over the stage, and he leaves, thank you, thank you, bow, bow, and then some poor schmucks are going to go in there and gather up all the cards and put them back in the right, facing up, not facing, you know, they have to all be facing
0: the right way and in the right, the right you amount. Think re, you think they reuse them? I don't know. It gets expensive. I mean, I don't know how much he gets first. But think about the stress. Think about his stress. He knows he's going on stage as an illusionist, but, like, all he wants to do is have a cigarette. <laughs> yeah. Smoking was, it used to be... I wonder if that's really affected the mag- magic industry, so we're get
1: circling back to smoking again. <laughs> oh, yeah, right, These are right, such right. an important part of everybody's act with cigarette tricks. I guess you can still do them now, but it's like... <laughs> Please I, welcome Darth Vapor! Yeah, <laughs> I guess I was going to say, I, I would imagine fewer magicians smoke now, but I don't know if that's true. Magicians could be like Europeans. They just all smoke. Yeah, I assume so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or musicians, yeah. Like, this is just, you know... The Everybody people. smokes. Well, no, but you can't even smoke in bars anymore. I don't think the musicians have to be smoking less now. Kid, a kid today who's like just entering middle school and forming his band with his friends, that kid has got to be less likely to smoke than kids of our generation. There's, there's so few places to smoke, right? I, I, I understand it'll be more prevalent among musicians and Europeans and you know so on and so forth, but can't be as like it was where it was like if you were in a band, you smoke. Period. Any did anybody any of your bands ever not smoke?
0: Um, smoking was not a primary part of band stuff. Boy, you are really hung up on the smoking. I don't think, I don't think of smoking. Smoking was more of a primary thing, like right after high school. Because smoking was a thing you could do at Denny's while you're drinking coffee late at night. It was a fun thing to do. (laughs)
1: flavor country they call it yeah Denny's coffee and <laughs> Denny's coffee and a cigarette
0: <laughs> yep 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 that's the one uh, uh so we're uh we should wrap soon okay so what about uh superstition do you have anything you're superstitious about still uh no i don't think so and um, that you're willing to admit I, I'm, i'll admit it if i can think of one um i'm unconscious super... i think i'm unconsciously unknowingly superstitious sometimes but I, but then again, I also think that superstition can be way more than cats and ladders. I think, it, I think it can be ways you try to play a trick on your mind. I think procrastination can be a form of superstition. You know what I mean? I think there's a variety of ways that like, we try to compensate for something we're fearful about by finding some kind of a basis in repetition or a break from repetition, you know?
1: But superstition is a specific thing. Like, I was trying to think of like the the least rational things in my life, like fear of flying. But that's not a superstition, really. Um, no, and, and even like walking under ladders. I don't like to walk under ladders because <laughs> things can fall from them. But I also don't like to walk under people who are cleaning windows because things can. That's not a ladder, but it's like precarious things above your head is bad. I don't think that's a superstition, but I wouldn't avoid walking under a ladder if it was just a regular ladder sitting there. And you know, like the superstition is like even if it's a perfectly safe ladder that even if it fell on you, it wouldn't even hurt you that much. You would avoid walking. And I wouldn't. I would just go under it. But, like, I, I don't know. I, what name some superstitions I could try to think of.
0: I don't think I don't think I have any. Well, I mean, superstitions, when people think of superstitions, I mean, even me right now, uh, I'm, I'm conjuring up these kind of old school ideas of things. We all go, ha, 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 isn't that silly? Whether that is... Broken uh, Mirror or Seven Years Bad Luck. Broken Mirror or, uh, you know, Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. The number the number 13 number 13 in general but also things like you know in sports it's pretty well the rally cap rally cap or just also yeah the whole like i'm gonna grow this beard as long as i'm you know my era is at this level or i am got this this batting air. i think i would that's that's one i think i would be into like the whole yeah uh, if you're on a streak
1: in a, in a sports team i don't think i would ever really believe that if I shave the beard, we'll all start losing. But I would totally grow it out because it's a fun thing to do. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, but I, I think that is different than the because this is a, a trope in sports movies too, right? So very often in sports movies, they show one of these common sports things like we're not shaving because we're on the streak, or nobody talk because he's pitching a no hitter, or whatever. And there's always the one character who. The, does the faux pas of taking it more seriously than he should. Everyone on the team is participating in the thing, but there's the one character who gets really angry if you, you know, say something during the no-hitter. And you and the rest of the team realizes that they're all doing it because it's a fun thing to do, but this person really believes that if someone talks, that, you know, he won't have the no-hitter or whatever. Like, right. And that's supposed to be a joke, and the audience is supposed to laugh that the one guy takes a little too serious. So I feel like those superstitions, everyone all kind of agrees is just like a fun thing to do, like a tradition, Uh, But if you really, truly believe that this is the linchpin of your success, then you are worthy of ridicule.
0: Well, I think there's the one kind of what I want to call a public superstition that's just kind of a a community version of Pascal's Wager, where you're like, well, you know— couldn't hurt, you know. I'd piss on a spark plug if I thought it'd do any good. Um, you know what I mean? There's the kinds of things where you're like, yeah, what the heck? You know, we'll all like keep wearing these. There uh, are doing this with our facial hair. I'm personally more interested in the kinds of f- the flavors of magical thinking that we have in our own minds about things. Where you know, it could just be you're you're trying to change something about the external world, or you're trying to keep the demon dogs at bay. I mean, I, I don't know. I guess I feel like there's this part of me that wonders if what we call superstition partly spins out of, and forgive me for talking out of my depth on clinical things here, some element of like what might be called a, a light version of OCD, a certain kind, yeah, definitely a certain kind of magical thinking, but also just this idea that like, that I will have more control over my life if I'm able to physicalize something <laughs> that currently feels very... um in coate, or if I'm somehow able to systemize and align my thinking in such a way that I might be able to induce some kind of spooky action at a distance with events in the world, and at the very least, I should be able to realign the way that my mind thinks about something through some kind of <laughs> mumbo jumbo. Because I, I, I mean, I, I know I do that, and I, I think a lot of people do that. I think a lot of people have weird rites and rituals. That they may not specifically think of as being superstitious. But, like, where do you cross the line from ritual and repetition into superstition?
1: I think that this distinction, uh, because uh, I, I experienced that side of that as someone who has not obsessive compulsive, but that's a different thing. But, like, those those type of things, I was a kid who liked to step on the lines in the sidewalk and the tiles in the floor and stuff like that. That is for people who, and they have the picture on the internet of like a bunch of pencils lined up, but one's poking up for people who feel discomfort at visual disorder or whatever that's merely a way to address your discomfort like it's not it's not a superstition that like uh you know if i like throw salt over my shoulder then you know but like th- those superstitions don't actually do anything these little miniature rituals do actually do something to the person because like there is some distress you feel and this is how you manage that distress and hopefully you're managing it in a way that is reasonable well, i think that's kind ki- that's kind of true i don't think that's strictly true uh, well you know like it depends on what your distress is about if you're actually if you actually have ocd fine but like but you're talking about like i'm thinking like step on a, stepping on the cracks on the sidewalk if you're doing that because it's just a fun thing to do it's fine if you can't get down
0: the sidewalk without stepping on the cracks not fine anymore right yeah yeah and i mean i think that's part of the problem is i understand it just as a i don't think i have anything like garden variety ocd like the actual Uh, Yeah, this is one of those fraught things, but you know, I think my understanding of it is that you have that obsessive thoughts lead to compulsive behaviors, and that the compulsive often and that it's the compulsive behaviors that you feel the need to do, you feel compelled to do. I guess that's why they call it a compulsion. You feel compelled to do because it feels like it will service uh, or ameliorate the invasive thought. But in the end, it's like an itch-scratch phenomenon, where for a lot of people, it just gets worse and worse and worse. Yeah,
1: exactly. It spirals up. Versus something like, I know that if I, you know, set my alarm every day and force myself to wake up, that it will really help me feel better during the day. So you you implement that kind of ritual. There's all sorts of things that we do, like just modifying your habits because you know the outcome. You know what the outcome will be through experimentation. And the things that you do as part of those habits, like, I never, you know put down my keys until I first done X because whatever, like people come up with all sorts of stuff like that. Right. That that's, I think that's perfectly fine because that's just how, how you manage the machine that is you. You're using, using the smarter parts of your brain to figure out, look, this is how this machine acts. If I want this desired outcome, if I found that, if I just repeatedly do this, that I'm more likely to get that outcome, then just do it. And working that machine, working that system without worrying so much about, does it make sense if viewed from a distance that I have to do this thing? Like, or, you know, I I, say you're, let's say you're a writer and you say, uh, you know, I never stop in the middle of a paragraph. Right. And that's just something you found when you stop in the middle of a paragraph, you have a real problem getting started the next day and it gives you an excuse to bail out early and you just come up with this habit. If you were to examine that, it's like, well, it doesn't really matter when you stop. Technically speaking, like, you know, if the house is on fire or you need to go out, you're going to be late for an appointment or whatever. You say, well, this is a thing that I've done and I've, I've learned that if I don't stop, you know, and like whether it's true or not, it eventually becomes true. Uh, and you have to look at it. Is it harmful? Probably not. Unless, again, you're staying in the house when it's on fire. Right. Um, <laughs> but it becomes kind of like a superstition of like, oh, it's just something I never do. I never stop in the middle of a paragraph. Kind of like harmless rituals that become self-reinforcing. Right. That may have had their origin in you attempting to solve a problem um but eventually if you believe that it's solving the problem it is solving the problem you know like it's a self-fulfilling prophecy like if you believe enough that it's that your problem is you your problem is that you come back to your work in the middle of a paragraph and have trouble getting started is it because it was in the middle of the paragraph if you think it is then it is right <laughs> so it's it's all yeah it's all just you know work, working on your own brain you know messing with your own brain working your machine working yourself as if you were outside of yourself that's the right only, you're you know.
0: you're picking up the tweezers with the tweezers Exactly. Yeah, The but there are some of these, and now that I think about it, I guess there is, like, an element. Well, let me, let me put it this way. Here, here's one example I would be comfortable talking about um, is that I have a task paper list as part of my, like, getting ready to travel list. So I have this, you know, I don't really need this, but I have a list of stuff to – I'm clicking. <laughs> you didn't bring but, your quiet mouse today, I know. You know, I'm signed up for one of those uh, little cubes on Kickstarter. Oh, please! please.
1: I, that's the first thing I thought from those cubes is like, if those cubes make, make noise, I'm gonna be smacking those things out of people. Like, it's fine. <laughs> yes, satisfy your fidgeting, but there's nothing worse than giving a fidgety person a clicky pen because like, you got to hear the clicking. They better be three
0: silent. Th- on the side with the five clickers. Three of them make a noise and two of them don't. Yeah,
1: but no, that doesn't help. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't trust the fidgeters to make smart choices about
0: what they like. <laughs> it's more satisfying
1: to click the pen because it clicks. Oh, of course, they're gonna so choose. So much. The listen ones. to that.
0: Listen to that. That's so satisfying. Here's one though. Okay, so on the one hand, let's let's start at the, the potentially super rational, like you know, boy, what what makes more sense than like what I've got right here, which is this list of things that I know has to be taken care of every time that I travel. Like it makes sense to have this one list that I basically clone, copy and paste, every time that I'm gonna travel. And it's all kinds of like really super obvious stuff like don't forget to like uh make sure you've got toothpaste, right? You know, the kinds of things where you go like, okay, I have my little travel bag. Adopt Kit, if you like. And, like, I want to make sure that I've got all the stuff in there so that I can shave and wash myself on the road. I want to make sure I got a toothbrush. Okay, so there's this area over here where I go. That is totally sane. And, in fact, it's pretty smart. As productivity crap goes... That's pretty smart because that's a that's a write once, use many times type situation. I'll occasionally add to that, but I think it's fairly unimpeachable to have a list of known things you need to do. Pilots and doctors do this every day. A checklist is a good idea. All right, over here. Super rational Merlin goes, that, that makes a lot of sense. And then I got some kinds of stuff on there I probably don't need to have on there, but it makes me feel better to have on there. And that's stuff where I go like, oh, let's be clever for a minute and say like, is there anything I'll need a week before I travel? Ha ha. Force myself to do a little bit of a life hack here. And a mind hack and a thought technology, is there anything I need to get from Amazon? Do I need to pick anything up from Walgreens before I go, et cetera, et cetera? If we go further down the continuum, there's more and more things that I could probably do without. I don't actually need a reminder on that list to bring my iPhone. You can see where we're going with this because I'll probably remember. But you know what? Before I walk out the door, it feels kind of good to tick that off. And then I have this area over here, <laughs> which is all the things I should do before I leave the house. Make sure all the windows are locked. Make sure that the pilot lights are on, make sure that the water heater is turned down, make sure that, you know, and on and on and on, eight, maybe eight or nine things. Now, those, yeah, they are important. And I think depending on who you ask, you'd go like, that's either totally sensible or completely mental. But the truth is, I probably would remember to do most of those things. But I can tell you the difference between knowing to a certainty that I did all those things because I made the tick mark and I only make the tick mark if I did it, knowing to a near certainty that I did actually do those things before I leave the house versus a state in which I don't have the, the artifact that shows that I did it before I left the house, it actually makes me much less stressed out to have that list and tick it off.
1: It's so nice that you you find yourself trustworthy enough to believe that because there's a check mark there that you actually did it.
0: I'm what, pretty because
1: if you lose that if you lose that thread, I you're, know. In, you're into Mister Robot territory. Now Now
0: you got to make sure you're on the right checklist. What if what if <laughs> what if you did, what if you're on the wrong yeah, one? Yeah.
1: Now that checklist, like you're right, it starts off as sounding something reasonable, but at a certain point, the checklist is not so. You actually the checklist's function is not so that you don't forget things that you may forget or have historically you, forgotten. You've
0: captured it exactly.
1: Yeah, the checklist has become instead. Here's how, keep, the devil here's how i manage my anxiety here's how i manage my anxiety about forgetting things like because yep. i mean I, my, i'm a good example you know some i don't like to travel i don't frequently travel my first few trips out to san francisco i had you know fairly i mean probably nothing compared to yours but for me to make a list of anything is is a i don't i'm not a list maker at all right huh. and so the fact that i had any kind of list about traveling anywhere shows that i'm taking this way more it's like it's the d-day invasion now now all of a sudden like you know because <laughs> i because i opened a text document and wrote three words on it right because i'm not a list making <laughs> person right okay. and just making sure like i have a little folder that has you know uh you know my boarding passes and directions to where i'm going and addresses and phone numbers in case my phone battery dies or whatever that's your fir- m- like my first trip ever to the west coast right at this point I almost missed my plane by 2 hours. Don't bring anything with me. Like I'm totally slid all the way back into my natural state, which is I'm not like it's so clear that all that planning was just so I felt like I had something to fall but now that I'm familiar with it all, it it's also clear that I'm not actually worried about forgetting
0: things. Right. It's, I'm, it's I'm but I'm not I mean, like
1: I and and my my natural state is so far back from yours that everything goes away that like i said that i can't even be bothered to keep track of when the hell my flight is that i misremembered it and never bothered to look at the ticket so and, you know i've told that story before where i look down at my ticket and i realize my flight is two hours earlier than i thought it was oh and my I, god and i realized that like at the point where i'm like well i should probably leave in the house now and then i look at my let me just make sure i have my boarding pass and i look at it and it's two hours. that's how little that was like a recent wwdc that's that's how far i've come from printing out maps of like which train i'm going to take from like the airport to the thing and having a printout because what if my battery dies on my ipod touch i will i know you know what i mean to the point where i can't even be brought right whereas you your backsliding is there's a certain amount of stuff managing anxiety but i think there's also a certain amount of just you're a list maker and you just want to have lists now you just made that distinction when you described your system you're like here's the part that i can defend reasonably and here's the part that i totally recognize is less defensible but they're but it's both shad- equally- it is shade-
0: it's shading into if not something like ocd a little bit like superstition in the sense that i know that in the past if i did not do this behavior this certain way bad things happen and at a certain point the difference between a compulsion and a superstition is probably virtually indistinguishable
1: i wouldn't call them superstitions i would call them again like uh rituals that you've learned that make this go better for you Right, and it, I don't think it matters which like the distinction you're drawing. Like, it matters academically, but but practically speaking, which one of these things would I actually potentially forget? Right, and what are the consequences <laughs> of forgetting that? Right, would you ever really actually forget the pilot if you didn't have a list, or do you just merely want to be able to see the check mark to know that you did check it?
0: Right. I just Versus- I just know it's gonna it's I'm gonna sit there and I'm gonna <sighs> mull it over. I'm gonna ruminate until I have convinced myself that the house is currently in flames. I don't I don't want to mess you up too much, but how can you not convince yourself that even with the check mark? <laughs> um, I, wanna, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not that far gone. Yeah, but I know. Because I, I also am pretty like, uh, I don't say I'm weird about it. But like, the way that I tick things off a list is very, very sensible. i'm really i'm really good at it i don't put it on the list unless it needs to be on the list and i never tick it off unless uh, it is actually done in which case i will actually delete it because i go you know what you're lying to yourself
1: i have i have the same system for uh calendar reminders at work that remind me i have regular calendar reminders remind me to do like certain things i have to do like every week or whatever um and even though i do them every week and even though they pop up a window i never click
0: dismiss until i've actually done it um and you've got to have, have a way you do that and only do that, or you will lose it. Right, Cause, and, that, and that's the one based on experience,
1: because when I first started in the working world, uh, the thing would pop up telling me to do the weekly thing that I have to do, and like the fifth weekend, you're like, yeah, 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 the weekly thing or whatever, and you click the button to dismiss it instead of the button to snooze it or whatever. You, you mm-hmm. dismiss it, because you're like, I'm about to do that right now, and you dismiss it, and then someone goes to your desk and asks you something, you're distracted, and then you totally forget to do it, and then you just learn the system is... The system is broken. Now. You can't actually dismiss until after you have done the thing, and that failure mode is really good, where you do the thing and you forget about the dialogue, and you see it an hour later. It's fine. To, like the consequences are: oh well, you had a dialogue up on your screen for an hour. You dismiss the consequences. Of the other one is you dismiss, go to do the thing, and get distracted, and then you end up not doing the thing. And so that's another you know reasonable, sensible system. But anything that you have to, anything that you add into your system, again, as long as it's not harmful and doesn't become burdensome that makes the whole experience of you doing that thing better, whether it makes yes. you more relaxed or whatever, I think that's all a good thing. And if you can recognize which ones you think are necessary and aren't, maybe you could pare it down. If it becomes cumbersome where your checklist takes you seven hours to go through, then you really have to reexamine <laughs> things and say, like, oh, this helps me get through it. It's like, well, it shouldn't take you seven hours to leave your house. You know what I mean? Like yeah. checklist is a checklist, but people can, can lift off in a seven forty seven with fewer items than you have. Maybe your maybe, you know, <laughs> your checklist for going shopping is a little bit too long. Right. <laughs> and so you're always checking that balance, but, uh, but convincing yourself of things, I think I'm, I'm going to, this is going to be bad when I get really old, but like, I'm pretty good at convincing myself that I, that I am not uh, an <laughs> unreliable narrator. Um, like when I was looking, <laughs> I was going through my old artwork. I was looking for one particular piece in my attic and I couldn't find it. Uh, And it was starting to like, uh, you know, I really couldn't find it. Like, look, I know where all my stuff is. I couldn't find it. I couldn't remember whether it was in a frame or not. Because if it's not in a frame, it would have to be horizontal. I would never roll it and it wouldn't be vertical because it would be a floppy piece of paper. But if it was in a frame, it could be vertical, which gives a new hiding spots. Eventually, by the end of the day, I was like, did I ever make this thing or did I just think about making it? Now granted, I'm trying to remember things I did when I was fifteen uh, right. years old, right? So I'm I'm gonna give myself a little bit of a pass as a 40 year old trying to remember things that I did when I was fifteen, right? But then yeah. I started to think, look, it is entirely conceivable that I really wanted to do this thing, especially since it was just like a colored inversion of a of a sketch that I had done. And I frequently made multiple copies of sketches and then like I would color one of them and you know, or I'd redo the sketch entirely, like I, I have lots of multiple copies. So it's entirely plausible.
0: That I had made several of these sketches, and had planned to color one of them, but never actually did it. Oh, because you talked about in particular. uh, Casey was asking about this, admiring your work, and and you talked about. It sounds like part of your process was well, it's it's not that hard to take something that already exists and then draw it. The hard part is to like realize what about it is wrong and then fix it. And how you sort of your process was iterating. So you might draw and redraw and fix and redraw something. Multiple times.
1: Yeah, just to do the one drawing you do that, obviously. But then also sometimes I would get completely done, step back from the whole thing, maybe a year later come back and say, you know what, I could take another run at that. Like especially if it was like something that would be up on my wall or something, it would be like looking right, at right. it for an entire year and and it would just it would just gnaw at you that like that one arm was the wrong length. And like or that you had you just not managed to capture the the dynamism. Like you'd you'd look at the original and look at that and you're like, it's close. If, you could, if someone showed you this police sketch, you could pick this painting out on the lineup, you know, right? It's, it's clear what it is. It mostly it, looks like a person. Right. But it's just it's just a little bit off, and that little bit would gnaw me and I to go back and fix it. But anyway, yeah, because I, was, because I would make second and third runs at things trying to improve upon them, sometimes you're separated. It's plausible. But I was like, but no, come on. These are, these are like my favorite things that I've ever done in my, my young adult life. Am I really so old and forgetful? that i don't remember the things that i did and but i you know i was i was starting to work on myself going you forget things all the time you like right. many many
0: things from your childhood were probably dreams that you had when you were 5 and you think they were real but you right? also you also like in a you're in that stage right now i can i can hear you working this out on atp sometimes and here sometimes where you're in that stage where you know there's something that you know and you know that you've forgotten it and there's a little bit of like uh, the index got jumbled, but you know the information is there. It's a little like tip-of-the-tongue phenomenon. So you're at least self-aware enough to know, oh, I know that, I know I know that, and I know I've forgotten it, and I can give you a rough estimation when it might reappear, but I'm not sure.
1: Well, but on the, like I said, the uh, opposition side, the other side of my brain is saying, you don't know that you know that. It It certainly seems like you do. But like, again, unreliable narrator. Like, can you trust... Any of yeah. your memories about anything, even the things that, you know, and so I totally, it, you know, totally goes, uh, Mr. Robot on me. And, and eventually the solution, <laughs> I forget what I said this on, I don't know, the solution was eventually that my, my wife asked me, maybe you gave it to somebody. And that right. went, that went bing and it tickled. And that was when I go into the tip of the tongue. I'm like, I didn't want it, but I didn't give into a medium. You like, can't,
0: you can't remember if you talked about this on the show. No, I can't. <laughs> I, know, I probably did anyway you did your parents have it yeah no, no it's not my parents somebody else i thought your parents had it no <laughs> oh my god did i actually not hear that no
1: you just misremembered it I, I'm. come on spoilers oh sorry mike mike could you please <laughs> you're, you're gonna gloss right over it, it'll be fine anyway that tickled something but i was like but maybe you just wanted to tickle something because you want to believe that you did it but like it's like it's like those parts in the movie that and every every uh TV show and movie. I think I just did it. God, what are they doing? They did it on Quantico for crying out loud. It's such a cliche. Anyway, uh, where some adult character who had their parents die or go away in childhood laments that they can no longer remember the face of the forgotten or distant or dead parent. Like when someone's been dead for really a really long time, I guess in an age before photographs or whatever, you forget what their face looks like. You know, like, or maybe you're just a, you know a young child separated from the parents, and you never had a picture of your parents, and you forget what their face looks like, and that, how terrible that is. When I couldn't completely 100 percent solidly picture this picture in my mind, it was like forgetting the face of your of your mother that you were separated from when you were three. It's like I can't I can't even picture it anymore. Like I can't even picture the color. I can almost kind of picture it, but I'm like, am I just imagining how I think it would have come out if yeah. I coded in? And so I I what I'm getting at is that. I am my own worst enemy. And when I really get really old and I'm actually able to forget things, in some ways, it'll be good that I'll know not to trust myself. But in the other ways, it's clear based on this experience where it turns out I was wrong. And this was a thing that I really did and really gave to somebody and they really have it and it totally 100% exists exactly how I remembered it. But I was this close after one day of essentially convincing myself that, well, look, if it's not in this house, I didn't throw it out. It <gasps> You're going to be a mess. It. You're going to be a
0: terrible mess. Because you, know, you, can, you can really... You could persuade yourself with your rational mind that you have that well, you no, actually did i can
1: reasonable doubt that's all it needs you know it's mm. like it's like mm-hmm. i i all i can say is that i don't know for sure but like the thing is you know with any surety that you have like i am sure this is a thing like my rational mind says that surety is super dangerous first of all and second of all proven to be unreliable like people are super sure about all sorts of things eyewitness testimony all that stuff like yeah, that's yeah, yeah. A, that's a thing, right? And so, if there's even a little tiny bit of doubt, you can't discount out of hand because you feel emotionally really strongly that this is a really, you know, that this is really how this happened or whatever. All you know, all doubt needs is a little tiny crack, and then the rational mind will take over and say, honestly, you can't really be sure of that, can you? Like, obviously, you know, if if you're sure and then you find the thing, well, guess what? You are right, and there's no. It's not as if you're convincing yourself that it didn't happen, but. If you find yourself in a scenario where one of the one of the plausible scenarios, in fact, a very plausible one, is that in fact you just misremembered this thing from thirty years ago or something, uh, that's you have to entertain that that theory. Huh. But yeah, that's why, that's what I think about when you're thinking of your check marks. It's like, I see that check marks. I'm sure that I did it. I'd be like, I could just send one of my little shoulder devils over to your brain. He would tear the hell out of that check mark. I like, really oh, sure Is that last week's list? <laughs> did you try to tap one part of the screen and you hit the wrong part of the screen? Uh... Did you? Did you this one time did you go to do it and tap it? up but in fact you went back in the room turned the light back on again and then forgot to turn it off and didn't unclick the check mark oh, come just, on I just, buddy just, come I'm on i'm just saying, like
0: oh. i don't want to i don't want no. <laughs> to pollute your system worked <laughs> i know i'm it's just like, it's like it's i think i think the system worked <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: i don't even i don't even wait to know if it worked no, or not the, 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 i don't even know a way to test it at yeah, this point the blessing is like i could wrong. have been checking the wrong list the entire time you're in, you're in, you're in, you're in your neighbor's house checking their <laughs> pot lights <laughs> just here to check your windows oh you're just lost out there digging in the wrong place <laughs>